Introducing Guinness Nitro Cold Brew Coffee Beer. Blending the smooth, creamy nitro taste of Guinness with hints of coffee, chocolate, and caramel. Guinness Nitro Cold Brew Coffee Beer, your new favorite part of the day. Look for it where Guinness is sold. Must be 21 and over to purchase. Please enjoy responsibly. Diageo Beer Company, New York, New York. Kurt Hawkins is in the Not Sam studio, breaking down everything you've ever wanted to know, plus more details on the big 200th live show coming to Caroline's on Broadway, my thoughts on the Evolution all-women's pay-per-view, and a whole lot more. Let's get into it. It's today's Sam Roberts Wrestling Podcast. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Sam Roberts Wrestling Podcast. Introducing your host from New York, here is Sam Roberts. Oh yeah, only a couple more episodes, a couple more weeks left. Few, I guess, not couple, few. More weeks left until Sam Roberts Wrestling Podcast officially becomes Not Sam Wrestling, of course. That is one of the many things that will go down at episode 200. I appreciate how many of you guys reached out on Twitter and Facebook and Instagram across social media to let me know that you were going to be a part of the big 200th episode. It's going to be live at Caroline's on Broadway in New York City. It's SummerSlam weekend. It kicks off with Sam Roberts Wrestling Podcast 200th episode. Uh, It's Thursday night, August 16th at 9.30 p.m. Tickets are on sale now. Carolines.com. You can also go to Twitter.com slash NotSam. I pinned the tweet to the direct link to the on sale for the tickets. Get the tickets now. I've uh, I confirmed another guest. I already told you Bruce Pritchard was going to be there. That's confirmed. Bruce Pritchard will be there. He said it last week on the podcast. I confirmed, confirmed another guest uh, this week as well as potentially have a third and then there is some uh, some some bait out there for a few more. It's going to be a, a, a wild night. It will be the night that Sam Roberts Wrestling Podcast officially becomes not Sam Wrestling. It will be a night that you won't forget. It'll be a night where uh, not only am I interacting with a lot of people right in front of you that maybe you never thought you would see me interact with, but Caroline's is such an intimate venue that you'll be able to to interact with everybody, and of course, I'm going to open it up to Q&As, and there's a there's a, a, a meet-and-greet package. There's a whole bunch of stuff going on. Go to carolines.com. You want to celebrate Sam Roberts Wrestling Podcast. If you've been a fan of Sam Roberts Wrestling Podcast, it's a live show that you're not going to want to miss. I, I really can't wait. I have a lot in store for it, and I really can't wait to share it with you guys. I was so happy to see how many of you guys are excited enough that you bought tickets right away. There are still tickets available. Some of you are asking me, look... Uh, are you doing multiple events SummerSlam weekend? And that's possible. You know, I have in the past. I I like to. I like to do as much as I can SummerSlam weekend. It's not confirmed that I'm going to do multiple events. What is confirmed is the 200th episode is happening Thursday night, August 16th, 9.30 p.m. at Caroline's. What I will tell you is that if I do add a second event, do not wait for me to add the second event because I'll tell you this right now. If you have a ticket to the 200th episode of Sam Roberts Wrestling Podcast live at Caroline's on August 16th, if I add a second event, you will be given guaranteed access. How do you like that? Not with an additional charge, not with an upcharge. Any ticket that you buy for the 200th episode, if there is a second event and you're waiting to see what that is and trying to, I'm going to tell you right now, 
I'm going to guarantee that you're going to get in to the, if there's a second event, you'll get in with a ticket to the 200th episode of Sam Roberts Wrestling Podcast live at Caroline's on Broadway. It's going to be an amazing night, and I can't wait to meet all you guys. I can't wait to see all you guys there. Uh, speaking of amazing, today's episode is amazing. Now, last week's episode was amazing, uh, having Bruce Pritchard not only in the Not Sam studio, but to those of you that listened to Bruce Pritchard's podcast last week, you know that after doing this show, Bruce stuck around and actually recorded something to wrestle with live from the Not Sam studio. So if you thought there was an extra bit of magic in Bruce's voice, that was because he was right here in this studio to record his podcast. This week, we've got more magic. It's Kurt Hawkins, the man who is over, well, he's O and over 200. He's got one of the greatest losing streaks in the history of WWE. Kurt Hawkins was on the podcast uh, very quickly after he got back to WWE. When he came back, he, he did a year-plus run on the indies as Brian Myers, his real name. And I was really impressed with everything that he did because he seemed like he lived out a lot of dreams. He was like, he did kind of what, Cody Rhodes did, except on a smaller scale. You know, he, he uh, and it wasn't, and I don't mean that to be demeaning, I just mean that, that Brian Myers went out and really made a name for himself in the independence on the East Coast. Not quite the global name, but the East Coast Indies. And, and he stretched beyond the East Coast as well. But uh, he became a fixture, and he was really, really good, and he did, he did ladder matches, barbed wire matches, standard matches. He did everything you could imagine, and it was, it was a great time to watch him grow as a performer because he really did grow tremendously in that period of time, and I watched him. I went to a lot of shows that he was, that he was performing on. Um, when he came back, it was a big deal, and I had him on the podcast, but I haven't had him on the podcast since. Uh, and there's a lot to talk about now. Of course, the losing streak is a big deal and how much that character has become. Uh, I didn't talk to him the last time he was on the podcast about training with The Rock at WrestleMania. Uh, he's a part of Mattel's elite squad now, where his whole other side of him, where he's just a big nerd that collects action figures like me and possibly you, he's getting to cash in on that. And there's something so cool. It's what I've strived to make my life all about, taking your hobbies and cashing in on them. And I don't mean cashing in like selling out. I mean creating a career out of the things that have been your passion from the time that you're a little kid. And I've done that with everything we do on this podcast, on SiriusXM, with my collections, with my shoes, with my action figures, everything. You come down to my studio, and it is like little kid Sam just threw up and announced to the world, I'm here. In his own vomit. It's amazing. Kurt Hawkins, it's the same thing. Announcing he's here in his kid vomit. He's a part of the elite squad. He's a part of Monday Night Raw. He's amazing what he's doing right now. And this week, he's on Sam Roberts Wrestling Podcast. Ladies and gentlemen, give it up for Kurt Hawkins right now. And now, the Sam Roberts Wrestling Podcast interview. With me at this time is Kurt Hawkins. What's up? Kurt, what's the half? What is the half? Yeah. The last time we talked was you were not in WWE at the time, right? Or had you just come back? Um, okay, so I remember it so well because um, <laughs> Tyson Kidd was visiting me. Yes, yes, he came. He came with me and we came to the city because we were already heading in anyway to go to the Knicks game. Right. And he had never been to... Uh, serious. Uh, he had never been to Serious, but he had never been to like 
New York to like not wrestle. So I was like, oh wow, kind of taking around like you know we got food and things like that. And he had never been to an NBA game and like so we wow. did, we did that whole experience. But then also that was a night with the Charles Oakley stuff. Are you familiar with that? I don't. Know. Oh yeah, with with it, got, at the game. At the game, you were so at like, that game. It's all very memorable to me. Like Charles Oakley got a, I don't know really you know you know, allegedly you know. Something was we, up, and he got he got James in the face Dolan of the security guard, out, right? Like it was yeah. just, the guard went crazy, and it was like you know hard to forget that. So that's why I know that it was, uh, I want to say February twenty seventeen. And so was that you were back in WWE? Yes, at that time? yes, yes. But yes. you had only just come back. Uh, yeah, I came back that that fall of okay. sixteen to television, right? Yeah. And yeah, because that was right as the brand split happened. Yes. And it was like, okay, what are we going to do here? So, you know, an interesting thing happened. I feel like like characters really took off and the Kurt Hawkins thing really happened when you got switched off SmackDown. Jinder went to SmackDown, you went to Raw. Mm-hmm. And it's interesting because, you know, Jinder went on to kind of out of nowhere become WWE champion and, and have this thing, that this run that nobody really predicted for Jinder. Whereas Kurt Hawkins started, you know, one of the most memorable losing streaks in the history mm-hmm. of, of the business. Yeah, two different roads. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, did you, from the beginning, go like, okay, I'm going to make the most of this? Because I remember the first time we talked, and we talked about it since, that, like, the whole winning and losing thing wasn't isn't really something that bugs you. It's just a matter of Not, having something to do so you can do it well. Yeah, My okay, so my main priority always is just to do the best I can you know whatever situation I'm handed I'm gonna do the best you know whatever match I'm in I'm trying to literally you know steal a show in in the regards of what I'm allowed to be doing you know right um so that I was just doing my thing you know um what what really sparked it all was there was some kind of like online article or something that said hey Kurt Hawkins just lost his hundredth match in a row (laughs) where like I think you know and I'm not throwing a shot out there but I think most of my colleagues would be like man if they saw that about themselves they'd be like man that's bull you know yeah, like, yeah, yeah. and be upset about it and of I course. was like someone you know a bunch of people tweeted tweeted me this information and I was like oh my god that's true yes like yeah, this is, let's talk about it this, well, is, not, a, this is a Gilbert level yeah, street like this like, is real that's, life that's pretty cool I was like <laughs> you know, not everyone's doing that for yeah. sure I was like let's you know I didn't know what it could become but I knew like why not embrace it and you know acknowledge it? And so that's fine. what happens. Like that article comes out, and and you go to people and say like, "Hey, this is happening. This there, is kind of there, what I want." There's wanna... been times since that article where I was supposed to like. I remember one time I was supposed to be Heath Slater on main event, and I went, "Oh no, <laughs> so, no, no, please, no." Yeah, I said, "What? No." I said, "This is uh, this is I, this could be something." I said, "But there's there's no sense in ending it on main so event that, against Slater." Like that's no the Hawkins like, politicking. You politic to lose, which I'm like, who does that? <laughs> yeah. No one. I, but I have. I've gone and begged. Like you know, I literally went to the head writer of Raw and said, no, "Please, no." I said, "I can't." I and uh, and and they they were cool about it in the first place because it was more like, "Hey." Good, you're you're great. You know, good job. You get to win one tonight. I'm like, oh God, no, you don't understand. And uh, I remember that on that particular night, um, I was like, can I just run something by you? I was like, you guys are all aware of this streak. And they see, he goes, I was like, does Vince know about? And they're like, "Eh, probably not. I said, can you please just 
Tell, Tell him. him. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know, before you make the decision, and I, I got out of it. But, like, yeah. There's things like that, you know, which, which I don't think I guess, any other performers would be willing to do. But. And it, it would be difficult, though, for you as a performer to just go directly to Vince and go, Vince, I just want you to know I'm really enjoying what I've been doing. I hope you've been noticing. I've lost 100 matches in a row. It's good stuff, man. I, but it is because it's entertaining. Right. You know? Yeah. So but how like, do you, but, but, but it's one thing for you to go to the writers. How do you, as a performer, track down. Vince himself to um, say I, I, he he's obviously intimidating as Vince McMahon you know yeah. he's the ruler of wrestling but I, I've always had like a good rapport with him like I can I, I'm very comfortable talking to him and things like that well do you think he also kind of values the fact that you have been able to make the most out of the things that you're given like you're not that and I think he's seen me wrestle for all these years now and he knows like I'm a very serviceable pro wrestler like right. yes I'm right. gonna do what he tells me and do it pretty well right and I think he appreciates that and you know so I'm I'm not you know Roman Reigns but <laughs> like as far as you know what, what, where he sees me at his star level right I don't think but, but there is a value to Kurt Hawkins uh, that he's uh, very aware for of for sure yes and he's very aware of that yeah. right. He, right he's called me a good hand several times in meetings and to my face well I also think that like there's a big difference between Taking on a role of a character that is humiliating, right? Like, there have been in the history of WWE and wrestling in general, these characters that are clearly done because, you know, we we kind of want to humiliate this guy for mm -hmm. whatever reason. Yeah. And that's not really what Kurt Hawkins is. I don't think if, if the goal is to not make, is to make you look bad. Yeah. I don't think they're giving you five minutes of mic time before your matches. Exactly. I don't think I, they're I, letting uh, you have a cane. And then, I then haven't felt that way. Right. I haven't felt like the uh, court gesture, I guess. I don't know. You know, um, I feel like I've been an entertaining small aspect of the show when given the chance. So right. That's right. My, that's my goal, you know. Yeah. But I've never, I've never, I feel like the fans are smart enough to be laughing with me, not at me, really. Mm-hmm. I could be wrong in that, but no, I think I yeah, no, and I think that the, again, you getting time promo time helps Makes immensely a big difference than just because you're actually building yeah. a character behind yes. and you're a bad guy, so it's not like like the fact that you have an ego about it mm -hmm. means that at no point are we as fans going like, oh, Kurt Hawkins is going to do it. Like you're not an underdog, uh, yeah, and it, in the it, sense it, that it, you you think you're better it than you are. Started that way, yeah, but it's been so long now that i just feel like people are really starting to feel sorry for me there there so. was there was this moment on raw and it was only a few weeks ago mm -hmm. when you had it with the uh you know with the with the local talent mm -hmm. i can't remember his name at the moment it was james harden yeah 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 not, <laughs> yeah james really. harden that's yes. right when it was you and james harden and i was like they're not really like this isn't it is it and then when it wasn't <laughs> that, it it was so satisfying that, that i have that like you know uh tool in my toolbox now that people care whether I win or lose because right. they're intrigued right. like what's go what's up with this thing you know now do you start keeping track after the article comes out Owen 100 do you then start keeping track of all your matches so you know the number yes and I actually it's tough sometimes like because I'm on the you know I'm doing the live events and stuff and I'm you know some, <laughs> there's a a lot of times I've been doing a thing where you know say I'll lose to somebody on a live event and I'll get on the microphone and say, oh, I wasn't ready, you know, that was BS, you know, mm -hmm. I'm not going anywhere until I get another opponent and then Braun comes out and smashes me. So I'm losing like 
at least six times a weekend <laughs> yeah. before I even get the TV. And do those so, all count, or am I? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, right. the bell's ringing. That's a real match. <laughs> so it, it's got the point, like, kind of rather quickly, where I had to, um, I have to put it in my Twitter and Instagram profile after every match because I'll forget. I don't know where it's at. Wow. And another thing that sparked that that I have to do that is because when fans meet me now and they get my autograph, they more times than not ask me to write where I'm at, like, oh, and what. And I'm being in the airport, and it's, you know, it's 4.30 in the morning. I'm like, I can't even, my brain's not working. And I'm like, uh, you know. And you have to check. It really helps to have, like, <laughs> to have that information, you know, not because, like I said, it, it, I was racking them up pretty good at some at certain points. Yeah. Have you had any visions of how this thing? I don't even think about it. Right. Because you just want Because right now we're just still riding. I'm I'm having a lot of fun. Yeah. Yeah. Um, well, yeah, and it's also like one... Because once you get one victory, like it's not like you're going to go on an undefeated streak, right? But maybe. I, I mean, mean, you could. I mean, it's just like the possibilities are endless. Yeah. So I, try, I really just try not to think about it. Especially because yeah. the the fact that, like you said, this is just a little part of the show, that means you can do it for a long time. For sure, yeah. Without... Like I said, then there people... It's made a lot more fun to perform, like on a live event or something, because people are like a lot more invested in what I'm doing. Yeah, you know, I'm not just like random guy Kurt Hawkins anymore. They're like, oh, the losing guy. Is he gonna right. win tonight? Am I going to see it? And, right. You know, Portland. You know, like they're intrigued, and that, that's fun. Like to have that interaction as a performer. Whose idea was it for the T-shirt? Was that? Was, did you go to them and go? There needs to be a Kurt Hawkins T-shirt, or did you just get the news? So that was. Uh, that's funny. I was just. I was just going to tell that story when you were asking about Vince. Yeah. I, uh, I, I thought of the shirt, and then I drew it up like real crappy in pencil, and I sent it to my buddies, like super talented with design work and stuff, and he made it look like really nice. Uh-huh. And then I actually just knocked on Vince's door and showed him and said, "Hey, look, you know, I've been here ten years. I've never had a shirt. I never really thought I was deserving of a shirt, but look, people are starting to think this is kind of you know a thing. And you know, like I, I designed this up, and shortly, I don't know like what he had to do with that, but I had I had the shirt shortly after. So that's amazing. Yeah, yeah, and that must have been." That's, awesome. I mean, yeah, come on. Yeah. Yeah. And then you find out you're getting a, an yeah, elite I, Mattel figure. People have to understand, I've literally watched wrestling and been obsessed with it since I was five years old. So any little thing. Yeah. I've also, and I actually just told your wife this upstairs, like, I, I've been fired before and brought back. You're right. So my perspective is, is a lot different than a lot of people. You know what I mean? Right. Like, like I already loved it and appreciated it. To begin with, mm-hmm. then I lost it. And now I got it back. So like it, it's like tenfold. So that's interesting because you went on, especially now because you've been back for a little while. So your perspective is even more different. You went on a, a really good independent run, though. Like when you, well, I mean, I love WWE, but right. I love wrestling, and I say you know, it comes in all shapes and sizes, right? But so. I mean, I think as Brian Myers, like you especially on the east coast and maybe that's just because what's most visible to me mm-hmm. like you were a pretty solid fixture yeah, uh, on the indie was, scene like it was a really good run uh, one of the best things that ever happened to me. It was a blessing in disguise like something that needed to happen and but yeah i i loved every minute of it, i did and then it definitely proved that like okay as much as i want to be in wwe mm-hmm. i'm a good wrestler like this yeah. isn't it, it, yeah. i'm not i'm not I, i'm not you know so i have a school where i teach people and i think a big thing with wrestling and since it's such a performance is like is having that confidence right and if you don't have that it's you're you're in an uphill battle but once you have that confidence you're like almost 
unstoppable. I want to say right because you can you know you can make a living doing this. Yes, yeah. you're not you're not dependent, and you know not be scared of situations. And, yeah, you know, it's, it's that comfortability. Uh, and you know, as a performer and in the ring, and just I think that's what separates guys and takes guys to the next level. And the stuff that you get thrown into that you make the most out of that's a skill set that I think is super valuable in wrestling that a lot of people don't have. I think you gotta yeah, especially like I said, this is entertainment. You know. So yeah. the guy that that loses a ton is entertaining and he's going to do some wacky stuff and get hit in the head with a taco and whatever, you know, <laughs> right. I'm going to go for it. You know? It is what it is. I'm you gonna, get to, I'm going to fearlessly do that segment the best I can. You right. Know? You yeah. get to do some things when you were wrestling on the indies that, uh, that you definitely wouldn't have. And I don't think we'll ever get a chance to do in WWE, like do a barbed wire match, mm-hmm. do a bunch of stuff. Um, and you know you were main eventing shows. Not that you'll never do that in WWE, but you never, hadn't, never, you yeah. hadn't done yeah. it in WWE. Uh-huh. Uh, was that another part of it that as a, a wrestling fan, because you grew up watching not just WWE, but yeah, just ECW. Every, once and, I realized there was more, you know, I couldn't get enough. You know, right. Um, so was that another satisfying part of it that you were like, I also oh, course, now I'm living out all these different. You know, I'd already been in WWE for almost ten years, and you know. I've run all these legends and then all these guys and then I went out in the Indies and I met all these independent like you know I've I've built such a rapport with people like I feel like I know everybody you know right. I've done a lot uh, at a young age and then things like that like the non WWE things like a barbed wire match right like whatever thought I've done that no way right uh, after doing it I realized like why people do things like that the adrenaline rush was like like through the roof right cool which I get I, I'm good it was a one and done thing. <laughs> Um, but I think, I don't know, all those experiences may, are going to make up what ultimately is like my career at the yeah. end, you know? So I, I think that's cool. Has anybody figured out that you're wearing Mets colors yet? It's not as figured out as you would think. <laughs> right. Which is weird. <laughs> yeah. Right, and right. They're, they're like so embarrassingly bad right now. And so it's like Kurt Hawkins, it's the character. Perfect. It's pretty, it's like poetic, <laughs> I feel like. Yeah. But, uh, it's funny. Michael Cole is a diehard Mets fan. Mm-hmm. And in the, all the years I've known him, I don't think we've ever had a conversation not about the Mets. That's all we talk about. Because well, I guess we see each other, especially right now. There's not that many people to have conversations with the Mets about the Mets with. Well, yeah, uh, even now, I mean, now they're so bad. I'm almost like avoiding speaking about them. <laughs> but uh, just go yeah, the other so way when you see Michael Cole. Like, uh, and Co- Corey Graves is kind of like a little kayfabe baseball fan. He's been throwing some funny, like he said something about. I don't remember exactly, but something about Jose Reyes and me being pathetic or equally <laughs> pathetic, which I, I popped that when I heard it after the fact. But uh, yeah, people, I don't know why. It, I don't know. It was just something. Um, I started that on the Indies, the the blue and the orange. I, right. Well, you were the Prince of Queens, right? Yes. And I I was like, I, I kind of stole it from the the Taz idea, not the orange, but I stole the idea of like, I want to have my own. I'll always just be blue and orange for the rest of my career. I don't want to change colors. Like gotcha. guys just wear a different color gear like nonstop. I said I want to be loyal to like like a team. Like I wear blue team, and orange. My team is my brand, and yeah, right. I wear blue and orange. Yeah, yeah, that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Which is, I mean, which is even a bigger deal when you come back to WWE. It's like I had this plan to just wear blue and orange forever. Who's to say that WWE is going to let that happen? They could have told right? me to yeah here wear this green singlet and be like okay you know. Yeah, but, so so is that <laughs> what just kind of worked out? Is that what it is that like you know you you do this thing on the this run on the Indies? It's incredibly satisfying. You get to do a bunch of stuff that you never necessarily thought you would do. You develop this whole new level of confidence. You make good, great money doing it. Like it's something you could conceivably do. When WWE comes knocking again, is it just that you started this thing, 
because as a little kid, you wanted to be a WWE wrestler, and and I WWE is where you want to be. It's the biggest thing there is, you know. It's right. The, it's the mecca of pro wrestling. So why wouldn't I want to be a part of it? Do you talk to guys now who, and you don't have to? Yeah, I'm not asking you to mention any names, but who are sitting there like you know wanting to leave, or they're bitter, or they're like you know I just uh, might go on the indies and, and explain to them. Yes, I, I just, I try to give them my perspective. Like you don't understand, right? Um. Because I had a great time and I had uh, on the Indies and the experience was cool and like you said I did all these cool things that I didn't think I would do and I love wrestling so I was all fueled by that but it was a lot of hard work yeah a lot of hustle a lot of uh, lonely Virgil moments that you gotta like <laughs> you know you gotta suck it up and you know the, you, that autograph line is not never ending wherever you go you know there's a lot of you know right um, moments where you gotta really check your ego so and I don't think a lot of guys who haven't done it i don't think they understand yeah and i would imagine it's like the first show after wwe the first month it's all like whoa this guy's yeah. now here but after six months it's like oh yeah he's here every other month to, and well so that's that's twofold uh-huh. it's you know it's it's all television exposure you know you come up you know they see you and it's like whoa my god Karong is on the, at this indie show and then it goes downhill but if you do a good job and this was always my goal in the indies you do a good job and you consistently work somewhere you know you don't just come in and take them for a bunch of money right have some lazy match and leave i was doing the opposite i was like uh you don't have to pay me this much but i'd like to come all the time and get involved in storylines and feuds and earn a rapport with the fans where it was like they were coming to see the prince of queens brian myers and not kurt hawkins right you know right which i think that was my business philosophy which i think feels like on some level what like cody rhodes did with like ring of honor and new japan and stuff like that you know it's that that consistency and they they fall in love with you in a different way than they you know a different light than they saw you before so there were rumors uh when they announced the brand split that uh a bunch of guys were going to be coming back did you did those rumors come out and that was like you know that was you and shelton and gender and and that whole thing Mm -hmm. when those rumors first started because there were other names popping up that just never panned out um did you get an offer before the rumors, or did you hear the rumors and go, "Oh, I wonder if I'm going to get a"? Uh, long before the rumors, I was called. Right, so, and said yeah. we're doing something mm-hmm. here. Yeah, and you just had to keep that under your hat. Yeah, I was like sworn to secrecy, so right. I, t- I told my wife, and that was it. I didn't even tell my parents and stuff. So wow, yeah, but you were pumped, pumped, and like, but also nervous. Like, uh, so I, it had been so long since I had been hired. It, it in WWE has evolved and changed in ten years that like even the hiring process is so different i had to do things that i didn't do the first time around you know like an extensive physical and right all that stuff and then a social media background which like thank god i've pretty much only had social media as a wwe wrestler so oh, I, don't wow. have, I don't have like skeletons in that closet you yeah know, like, weird stuff like that but just things like that that i didn't have to do so you know i was like okay let's make sure that all these <laughs> which is so know, smart we're gonna dot the lowercase j's before i tell everyone <laughs> uh, you know what's going on you know that's so smart though because obviously wwe is a high profile company and they're aware of the world that we live in and like these yes. are all the potential mm-hmm. pitfalls I, I constantly tell my wrestling students like don't tweet stupid stuff right it's it's not worth losing your dream job to like you know say something super offensive on twitter right because you're 22 and like it's gonna get a lot of attention right now but it's not even (laughs) right it doesn't it's just it's just you got nine retweets not even close (laughs) to you know worth the risk to me yeah yeah so but that's the age we're living in you know people have to figure that out because you know the social media world is is you know, fairly new. And what was the uh, what was the 
pitched to you? Like, did you were you kind of aware that you were coming back to, like, what what, what was the idea? I don't originally. Think, I don't think there was a whole lot. It's just like Hawkins is a good wrestler. We can bring him back. What I think it was is um, they had just let go a lot of people, but then the brand split opportunity came about. And I think they wanted to make sure they had guys that had worked TV before and could be put on TV like that makes right sense. now. Yeah. So that's why it was all guys that had, you know, Rhino and people who have done right. that. Yeah. So right. there's not much risk in bringing them back because they're going to know what they're doing instead of a green guy or, you know, whatever. Yeah, yeah that makes sense. Yeah. And it, yeah, and it's not a guy who like, okay, we have to put everything behind this guy right now and exactly. then if it doesn't it, work it out. It wasn't, yeah. I don't think it was ever like uh, the bells and the whistles for these guys it was just hey we need more bodies and these bodies are serviceable we'll figure it out later what that service is going to be right right yes. right yeah. so do you have a favorite or do you have, is there a most painful thing that's happened because part of this character is that you get to do a lot of fun stuff and a lot of stuff that's existed outside the ring and mm-hmm. you know a bunch of stuff with Braun and, and you've done stuff with Brock uh, man we, I've done too many of those pull aparts that are like yeah we just did one last night in Boston but not, yeah, yeah, yeah. not with Brock but the ones, that, the ones with Brock are especially scary, <laughs> but because uh, he's the real deal, obviously. But um, that that's as much as I've ever really. Is there? Is there? Uh... But, uh, the, uh, s- sadly and almost sickly, I would love to face Brock Lesnar and get my ass kicked just because. Right. That's how. Sick, I'm, I'm surprised that it hasn't happened at one of the like house shows kinda, or something um, like that, right? I'm, I am kind of shocked that like he hasn't just. Come in F5, Jim. Like, you know, I'm in the ring and he levels me and then he does his promo. You know, like something just because. Right. And, and I would love to work with him, so we'll see. I mean, can, I, can you imagine the reaction if, like, you know, you come out to the ring, you get the microphone, you don't even say one word. You're about to say a word yeah. and then the music hits. Yeah. And you're like, oh, no. Yeah. And my reaction will be legit. But uh, Do you have, uh, is, there, is there any, Braun, obviously... Is the real deal as well? Yes. Is there anything that like? Is there a most painful thing or 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 a um, stunt or whatever that you're like, wow? The the he's throwing me through the wall a couple times. Uh, <laughs> the wall um, before the before WrestleMania, uh-huh. the backstage one. I, he put me through the video wall, which was scary, but all in all, okay. Uh-huh. The wall. Before the, the it was a Mania Go Home Raw, he put me through the one wearing the Pick Me Braun shirt. Yes, that. The margin for error, like of what I was being like lawn darted through, was so small. Is that because there were like two by fours? Yes, up and it was. It was not a lot, and like uh, he's he's forcibly grabbing me and throwing me so fast. Like there's not a whole lot I could do, and it was just kind of one of those like, okay, let's see what happens. You just have to. You just have to swallow. Just in hope that for the best, and it was like. But you're terrified. Terr- that one was like when I saw the stunt guy setting up, and I was like, oh man, this is like barely my shoulder width i was like oh my god because it's not like you can put a big x on the wall where the right spot is there was um like a piece of tape that i the guy showed me is the he's the dead center and to see it but ron's right manhandling me and throwing me so fast like right. it's like i can only do and see so much but, but it was okay it wound up being okay but yeah. that was for sure the scariest one if that's what you do you have a want. favorite favorite the video wall one was cool the video wall yeah, yeah that yeah. one that, that was wild because that was supposed to be a match um, where I, you know, I do my Kurt Hawkins call out and he comes and I, you know, piss my pants and run away and it's a 10 count and I just lose. And then I, I don't know how, but just throughout the day, it just escalated. Like, well, what if he does this? And what if he does that? And then like, you know, so it was supposed to be running away and nothing to brawling all around the arena and then getting s- smashed through a table, uh-huh. thrown on the, slammed on the ramp and then, you know, 
driven through the video wall and I was like, wait, what just what? I'm looking at my fake watch like what? But I mean it was fun. It was a big adrenaline rush and stuff. And right, and it's memorable. And Bron Bron Bron's actually a great guy and we we have a pretty funny like rapport and stuff. Yeah. So. Yeah. And he's kinda like you make him look amazing. That and that's like my job and I feel like I'm really good at that. So, yeah. <laughs> so I don't mind. Yeah. That uh, that's another aspect of just being the guy that loses all the time, like I don't walk in like thinking like, oh, maybe I could roll this guy up and beat him tonight. Like I'm not thinking that. Mm-hmm. But my mindset is like, okay, what does he do? I'm gonna do it. Take it. Take whatever moves he does the best for him to make this the absolute best and make, you know it can be. Yeah. And I don't think a lot of people think like that because they don't have to. But you know, I am. I'm, my wheels are spinning. I'm like, man, how can I take his finish and make it look even better than? other people have you know or more special or bigger and better yeah back to Kurt Hawkins in a moment but I know you're sitting there going Sam I want to go to the 200th episode of Sam Roberts Wrestling Podcast I want to be there but I can't go to New York just for Sam Roberts Wrestling Podcast I got to make a weekend out of it and I don't have any tickets what do I do it's easy come to my show at Caroline's but before you do that Download the SeatGeek app. SeatGeek is so simple. That's the best part about SummerSlam weekend being in New York, that not only are you going to be able to use the SeatGeek app for tickets to NXT TakeOver, SummerSlam, Raw, SmackDown, but while you're in New York, if you want to see a Yankees game, if you want to go to a Broadway show, if you want to see some stand-up comedy, whatever you need tickets to, SeatGeek has you covered, and they're going to find you the best deal. Download the app on your phone. It's amazingly convenient. I've got it on my phone, and I've tested it out. It is so easy to use. They got the seating chart. You know exactly where your seats are. All the seats are graded, so you know if you're getting the best value. They bring in data from everywhere, and they guarantee every ticket. No more embarrassing moments. SeatGeek is absolutely amazing. You're going to get the best value. You're going to get the tickets that you want, and everything is going to go swimmingly. No more stress at will call, okay? SeatGeek has your back. Now look, a lot of people are going, Sam, I know that they're going to give me a good deal, but I need a better deal. That's no problem. There's a reason why I love SeatGeek so much and why they're such a good sponsor to this podcast. That's because they treat you guys right. I said, I need a little something extra for the listeners of Sam Roberts Wrestling Podcast. They said, how's 20 bucks sound? I said, pretty good. So here's the deal. You go in and download your SeatGeek app on your phone. Put that promo code SAM, S-A-M, in. SAM is the promo code, and you're going to get $20 off your first purchase. Why not try it out? Come to New York. Come to the 200th show. And in the meantime, go to a Broadway show. Go wherever you want and get $20 off your first purchase with the SeatGeek app. It's incredible. Back to Kurt Hawkins. Uh, One thing that I didn't, I remember after our last conversation, I kicked myself. There's always like these little things that I'm like, that's the one thing I didn't ask about. Mm-hmm. And the one thing we didn't get to last time was you and Curtis Axel trained with The Rock, yeah. correct? Like got yes. The Rock into shape, or not into shape, but you know, like like worked with him yes. to prep for WrestleMania. Which WrestleMania was it? No, so it started, the first thing he did was that Survivor Series tag with Cena. Right, mm-hmm. at Madison Square Garden. Yeah, so we did it leading into that. Wow. Yeah. How was that? The... It's up there with like one of the coolest things I've ever I've been fortunate enough to do. It's gotta be just the whole experience of it. How long did you work with him for? Uh, that whole fall leading into the Mania match with Cena. Just like, and you'd go up for we were like his secret agents of like bumping like because his schedule's so insane. Yeah, you know whenever the, you know wherever he was filming, 
We did it in uh, New Orleans. They'd have a, a WWE ring and like a ref, and a ref and me and Joe would be on call. And basically, like the rings just set up in this warehouse, and like they call and be like, "You have to train with the Rock tomorrow. You have a six a.m. flight to New Orleans. Go." And we just wow. go and do it. Yeah, and uh, it was a lot of things like that. And then it was then another ring was set up in Miami when he was filming there, and we same thing. You know, we just be like on call. How come you two were the guys that? The good, the old good hand thing. Yeah, I think. yeah, yeah, Either, yeah. I don't know if it came from Vince or Hunter or somebody. There's, you know, you trust are these guys. Safe guys that are, you know, yeah, going to be cool. So, and he, man, he's like a megastar, maybe the biggest star in the whole world. But he couldn't have been cooler and down to earth and like, you know, like have his phone number, he text, you know, and things like that. You know, yeah. that you wouldn't believe. Um, it's just super cool. That's awesome. a great experience. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and did you just prep for the tag match or did you keep going? We, all the way to that mania. So now was that, that once in a lifetime, and then they did the next very next year. Right, right, that? right, yeah. right. You yeah. didn't prep him for the twice in a lifetime. No, we you didn't. prepped him for the Actually, once in a lifetime. We didn't train for that one, so, and I feel like the match showed, but uh, <laughs> it didn't have the Hawkins the first, touch. The first one was awesome. I think. Right, yeah. right. Uh, but yeah, um, but just so cool, you know. Just be, it was almost like being in the weirdest. Like there was one time uh, leading into the Survivor Series tag, they, yeah. They had uh, it was Miz and Truth mm-hmm. against Rock Cena, Rock and Cena in a tag, and yeah. so I guess the producer was Michael Hayes or something, and they were having like a rehearse a private rehearsal about it in New Orleans leading up to it. Now this and, is where he's filming a movie or whatever. Yes, yeah. And then Dwayne like he said he whatever in his interaction with the office said I'd really I really think Brian should be there for this or whatever. So like I had to go to this thing. I'm not even, not even remotely booked on this show. You know. But I'm there to like oversee this thing with like Michael Lays and be like a, a crash test dummy and throw out my ideas and stuff. Just, and, stuff and, like that. It's like what the heck am I doing? And what do you do? As like you're walking through stuff, you're just like you that's what you are, you're the crash test dummy. Yeah, but I, you know, and, like I think you know me well enough now. Like I don't really keep my mouth shut. So I'm like, oh you know, it would be cool if you like I'm throwing stuff out right. there, you know. I mean what I got to lose, you know? Right. Yeah, so Well I mean and, and that's the best part that like you're a fan, right? This is this yeah. the experience to get to be the guy who does this yeah, I'm, is I'm, like <laughs> I remember trying to get him to do the rock bottom on the apron. Oh I remember being like, Man, dude, indie guys do these apron bumps all the time. This is two thousand eleven where it like kinda of was like now it's a very common thing, but it was right. like more like a hip. Yeah, it was pretty it was like cutting edge. Yeah, yeah, it was yeah like a hip 2011. I'm like, yeah, I'm like Dwayne. This will pop the shit out of people if you do this. That'd be cool as crap. I mean, he didn't do it, but did you try it? No, he didn't even get that far. But okay. I, like that's how much like I got really comfortable with him. Like I didn't mind saying that to him, you know, or you know, yeah. talking to him about it. Yeah, yeah, that and that's amazing too to be there because even though he's a megastar, he's also one of the greatest wrestlers of all time, right? Like he, he the run mm-hmm. that he was on is like so for you to be in this position. Where you're giving not the Hollywood star the the wrestler the rock yeah. advice on how to pop a crowd, yeah, I mean, that's pretty amazing. Pretty ballsy and stupid, <laughs> yeah. now you put it that way. But uh, he's also like someone that being around him, I was like, okay, I I can see and understand why this guy is a success at everything he does. Did you pick up on stuff? Just little like little things like. Um, whereas, like, if he's thinking of what he's doing in the ring, yeah, he's. You know, I'm <laughs> when Karakas is doing moves, he's doing moves and in, in getting them done. Rock has to like take the time to think about how insane the reaction's gonna be for each movie does and time wise that like Right. You know what I mean? Yeah. He, like, he if he's gonna do this move it has to be at this part in the match because if he does it over here he's burning out the audience before But not not even that, just that like everything he does gets such a big reaction yeah. that he has to make the time in the match for that. Right. He can't just go to the next thing. He's gotta let that Moment. Oh right! It's got like, like that moment happening. Like when a comedian is figuring out his set, he knows that you can't just go from punchline to setup. 
there should be a, a laughter break yes, here. Yes, yes, for and, sure. And he's got to figure out yeah, that, I was like, like, whoa, this guy's so over. He knows that he's going to just blow the roof off this place, and that's going to be the reaction. And yeah. He's, you know, he's right. That's so. awesome. Mm-hmm. So when you're, are you, do you watch a match like that, like the WrestleMania match that you were, had a part of with, like, Pride? Um, or, or do you see spots that, like, yeah, oh, that's something? That, actually, this just sparked my memory. So that... That match happens and whatever, you know, it's a good, great match for me at WrestleMania, whatever. And then on the way out of the building, I passed him and uh, he like hugged me and thanked me. He said, you know, you had a small part in that. Or I can't remember exactly what he said, but it's kind words and like a moment we had or whatever. And then the next day at TV, this uh, one of the social media guys, I can't remember who, was like, hey, um, I took a photo of you in Rock. And like I have it of him like embracing me and like thanking me for like that's awesome, help, which is like. Completely outlandish, but yeah, like pretty cool thing, you know. Yeah, that's amazing. Did you work with Cena at all, like leading towards that? Or no, was that more he, just... he was never there for the rehearsals. It was just Dwayne and Joe and I guess myself. Cena was yeah, he was busy wrestling every and night. Doing, yeah, that's yeah. Too, yeah. <laughs> yeah, and doing his thing. Um, yeah, man, that's 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 pretty incredible. So speaking of being a fan, one of the things I feel like it's not so much now, but. When you were starting out, definitely when you first got when when the Edgeheads were first starting out, I feel like it was still a thing. People are like, you can't you can't be a fan. Oh yeah. When you're it. in the locker room, That's... you can't be a fan. I feel like this gener the the <clears throat> because they're all like everybody's kind of around our age mm-hmm. or younger. We all kind of it, grew up the same way, so everybody is it, fans now. It was I guess just because maybe when I started, you know, Zach and I were twenty one, twenty two, we on the road, and everyone else was like men, right? You know, and we're not. So back then it was. It was definitely like to be a fan was like so, you know, and you know you didn't want to confess that and stuff. And now that I've gotten older, I realize I think the gap of the age gap there was a big part of it. Of course, Um, but and also I've because this is something that's that's bothered me to an extent throughout Mm -hmm. my career, like that I don't think it should be frowned upon that you're a fan or you know uh, enthusiastic about. I mean, you're supposed business. to you're supposed to be passionate, right? Yeah. So, so I, that's not frowned upon. But then, I think what a lot of like the old timers don't get, and where the disconnect is, and this is just my theory that mm-hmm. I've come up with over the years, is that they didn't grow like they grew up with what maybe some black and white PWIs to read. Yes. Okay. Yes. Our generation has grown up with video games and toys and just yes. like nonstop like interactive like fanboy get involved type stuff yeah so that i think that's where it's like and hopefully you know and now, now everyone you know from here on out is going to have that luxury so that that old time thing is dead and gone and i i hope like older wrestlers can hear me out on that and kind of be like okay but, that makes a little more sense and it's also like you know the way just, wrestling was presented too like for our generation the 80s the, yeah. the mid to late 80s was the first time that wrestling was portrayed like a Saturday morning cartoon. Yeah. Like, it was marketed... larger than life instead of, like, this legitimate tough guy sport. We didn't have that. We had, like, it's a cartoon. Right. Yeah. Right. So guys our age watched wrestling like we watched He-Man, like we watched Ninja Turtles. So we're going to have that connection with it which i think the the generations before us yeah didn't have Mm -hmm. you know i just i just want people to know like especially if you're you're trying to get into the business like being a fan i mean there's like a line to cross you know there is a line of course you have to be a professional exactly there you go yeah yeah but like like you can't just go and be a fan but like 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 am i uh i remember when i was i'm gonna say when i started like it would be like if you wore like a wrestling shirt to wrestling practice they were like 
what's wrong with this guy? Right. Where now, like, if, if a student wore a wrestling shirt to, like, to one of my practices, I wouldn't... I think it's cool. Right. Like, oh, cool. Where'd you get that? Oh, yeah. You know, like that. <laughs> yeah. You know? Yeah. So but, do you... but there is the flip side. Like, we had a kid sign up last week, and uh, he pulled me aside after practice. Hey, can I talk to you? And I'm like, oh, God, what's this? Because I'd already done class with him and knew, you know. Mm-hmm. He doesn't exactly have what it takes. You know, I knew that. <laughs> and uh, he said, hey, can you tell Alexa Bliss I said hi on Monday? I said, oh, oh. my God. <laughs> and I said, yeah, if I remember, sure, but. And then, uh, of course, he followed up this week and asked me if I did. I said, no, I didn't have time. I'm sorry. You know, things like that. So, like, and we'll... Yeah, she said hi back. We'll uh, we'll tell him, you know, next month when he goes to sign up, like, we don't really think this is for you or, you know, move along. But uh, how how has that been being a, a trainer? Uh, it's it's one of my favorite things too, just because yeah. you know you love wrestling so much, like I do, and then you can give back in a in a way, you know. Plus, you can catch that young enthusiasm, for sure, right? Yeah. Like like you you uh, you you can it brings you back to you, just kind of wanting to start out. Yep, right. And you it, get to see it, it in these kids. It's a very um, odd art form, so there's there's a lot to it, you know, and it, you can't just learn it in a month or so. It takes so much. How quickly do you know? Because like you just said, this kid doesn't have what it takes. Yeah. How quick? I hope he's watching this. How quickly I do you? Know? <laughs> so he really knows. Yeah. Because yeah, he's like, I don't think he's talking well, about well, me. And then he, nope, I did the Alexa yeah. Bliss thing. That's me. Yeah. <laughs> uh, how quickly do you know? In some cases, I guess. Pretty quick. You do. Like. That day, I can tell. And it's not. An, is it? Is it athleticism? Is it? Or is it just like? No, because it, I'm all about the environment. Mm-hmm. Okay, at, at Creative Pro Wrestling Academy in Hicksville, New York, mm-hmm. I'm all about the environment. Like people that love wrestling, like are enthusiastic, just like me, and are willing to learn. So, like, if you're not the best athlete, we'll take our time and figure it out and see where that goes. If you're bugging me to say hi to Alexa Bliss while I'm trying to teach something, right? Then you know you're not ready for what we're doing, right? Yeah, right. And we'll we'll weed you out, and not not in a bullying way, but just a hey, like thanks, but no thanks. Like the school's not for you, and that's and that's not because hey, we're too cool for you. That's because no, you're not you're all... not going to survive in this. Yes, thing. yes, like, yeah. and that's and and, that's... and the the school hasn't been like all that lucrative, which which is totally fine. Mm-hmm. But like I'm not. I don't want to just be like, hey, there's a sucker. I'm going to get his money and right. teach him his wrestling. I'd rather have people who are committed and care and who are like truly trying to learn this very difficult art form. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I'm more about that. You started it before you were in back in WWE. Um, right about this time I got fired, actually. Right. Yeah. Right. So when you got back, was there a thought like, oh, I don't know if I'm going to do the school and do this full-time WWE schedule? No, I, you know, honestly, there's so much stuff that happens since then. Like, you know, I had a kid and bought a house right. and all that stuff, and I still teach pretty much every Thursday night that I'm Really? Home. Yeah. Wow. You know, I do tours or, like, a rare, you know, family commitment or something. I'll get a sub, but I'm pretty much there every Thursday running a class. I've noticed, too, it feels like the Creator Pro plugs within the WWE world are becoming a little bit more present. Mm-hmm. Not in the sense that, like, hey, on Raw, I've got a big sign, but just in the sense of, like, like, you took a, I think, what was it, a picture with Sasha Banks, and she had a Creative Pro yeah, shirt yeah. on. And it's just, because I'm aware of Creative Pro, yeah. I think, I just notice it, like, oh, it's it's entering into this universe that it kind of wasn't in when you first got back. I, I'd like to credit Seth for that, because he opened a school, and uh-huh. I think, like, it's like, well, we can't tell him no, so how can we tell the other guys no? <laughs> so you're just That's like, my yeah. theory. Yeah. <laughs> and I appreciate that. that and I also sense. like, I think I've been doing this uh, 
I think next week's going to be 14 years. I think I have the respect of my peers that I know what I'm doing. You're and not I'm that 21 year old kid. Exactly. Yeah. I'm a credible coach and it's cool. And, uh, you know, it's not like running, you know, commercials on Raw about it, but right. they think it's okay. You know, I mean, and, and, plus, and now Heath Slater has a school, Luke Gallows has a school. You know, people are, you know. And and who knows who's going to come out of the school? Like, that. that's. We already, I mean, we already have guys that I'm like so proud of, you know. Right. Like MJF. Flies all over oh yeah, co- yeah, yeah, flies yeah. All over the country and wrestles all over the place. Yeah, know? we just had a kid, Max Caster, do the week long tryout, the PC, you know, things like that. But that's what I mean. That's one of those things that I feel like if WWE has their guys, as long as it's not impeding, it's not stopping them from wrestling. Like WWE having access to all these schools is not a bad thing no, not because. At all. They especially, have access to talent. Especially when they need to fill that conga line every week. That's right. That's, that's right. <laughs> yeah, there you that's, go. Look, yeah. if, if, if that, Mojo that, keeps throwing that cheeseburger gonna, around, it's going to get tougher and tougher. dance itself. You know? <laughs> that's 100% right. So when you and Zach are first starting, and you guys are the kids, and you guys are both like you know super fans, do you have to quietly kind of whisper to each other about like it felt action that figures yeah. and this oh, is so cool? Oh, yeah. and, and I think the, when we first started, the only person we talked action figures with would would be swaggle because he was the only one like our age too right um other than that man when when we kept that information kind of close to the chest yeah a little bit like uh people in developmental would like come over our place would know a little bit more because it was too too marky to hide you know right yeah right yeah i mean yeah that's i think that's one of those decisions like that you just have to make like for for instance this studio yeah like I'm not shy. No, yeah. But I mean, but I also know at this point. Like well, like Jeff Jarrett was in here. Yeah, yeah. I mean, what was his reaction to all this stuff? He thought it was cool. Yeah. So like yeah. Yeah, he saw all the figures and everything. He asked if I like. He was like, "Are you like a serious collector?" I'm like, "I have a Dimalenko on the shelf." Like yeah, I'm a serious, I'm a serious collector. I got every, <laughs> everybody's um, over there. It kind of this weird just sparked this memory. I remember one time when I first started, uh, Matt Hardy had like a, a little get, get together at his house after one of the shows mm-hmm. when we were in North Carolina. And uh, it was when Dave Taylor was around. Yeah. So Dave Taylor is old, way older than us and just, you know, legit badass yeah. dude. And he's actually hilarious. Um, but we were down in Matt's basement and, like, it's like this hearty shrine of, like... His own stuff. Yeah. And yeah. It's, it's it's an unbelievable, you know, career of merchandise down there. Like, it's pretty cool. Like, all of his magazine covers, all his action yeah. figures, his then, t-shirts. And, like, Dave is, like... He kind of said something to Zach and I, like, man, like... If like you know, if someone did this when I was coming up, you'd be, you know, massacred about it. Right. He's like, but now that I'm like my age, I almost feel like foolish that I didn't because like I have nothing to show for my like I didn't save anything or collect anything to like pass down to my kids now and right. You know? Yeah, I mean, I feel like Bret Hart kind of always had that thing. Like like he was kind of mocked. Because he had the Bret Hart shrine yeah. in his house. Yeah. Because he was one of the, he would have been one of the first guys probably mm-hmm. to do something like that. But I I mean, it's exactly what I would do. Like, if do you I think do. like Stone Cold has like all his stuff? I went to like staggering amounts of like It was amazing. When I went to I don't know what he's got in his ranch, but I've been to Stone Cold's house to do his podcast uh-huh. and he's got two and I asked him. I was like, Where's all the stuff? Yeah. And and I figured he had I, I wanted to see vests. It would be like I wanted to see knee braces with like yeah. the different color tape oh, you're, on you're it. I'm talking like gear. I'm talking like his merchandise. I mean like, the, the amount of t shirts because that was also when they started putting the t shirts in malls. Yeah. So it would, it it would mean be it, just yeah, it would never Austin three sixteen in every color. Yeah. He was he had two items. And that's it. In the whole house. The gear that's why. merch, he had two items. One was a big poster of his Got Milk ad. 
And he said he liked that because Andy Leibovitz took the photo. Uh-huh. So it's just like in the in the room that I was in. Oh, it I was... thought you were going to say because he's real proud of the message. <laughs> you know, like drink milk is healthy, kids. But and the second item is a Stone Cold Steve Austin cookie jar in the kitchen. Man. And that's it. And there's no other wrestling stuff in the house. Wow. At all. And for a guy who loves wrestling, like he, he stays up I on it. Some people about are just. He doesn't, wired, but he's also wired he's, different, I guess. I like, and he's I, not. Uh, I don't think Ziggler owns one thing of his. That's a surprise because I feel like Ziggler. No. Wow. Like when he gets a new toy, me and Zach have to like tell him like, "Hey, you have this new extra." He's like, "Huh?" <laughs> doesn't care. He doesn't like want it or you know. Wow. Yeah. And you're like, "Can I have yours, Dad?" Just, They're gonna send you one. It's just piece. I guess I don't know. I'm wired differently in some, you know. Some yeah. Way. But I mean, yeah. yeah. I mean, Stone Cold's not that big of a Stone Cold fan. Like he's he's one of the most down to earth. I mean, like my well. Guys. I don't know. I was about to bury Zach, but I don't. I don't really have to. Like, I don't he have. Can. I don't have of all my like collection and stuff I display. I don't have like a lot of Kurt Hawkins stuff because I just feel like it's odd. But there's not that much Kurt Hawkins stuff. But like, I could put it all in like a shelf and make. It oh, look I guess like, Jax did a bunch of Kurt I have Hawkins. Time. I've had at least oh, over ten action figures. Yeah, you know, or whatever. You know, the belt or like I don't have. I don't know. I don't have like. I just think it's very self-serving to, of me. Right. I have it evolved like these guys I grew up admiring and now my peers and right. I think that's cool. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah. Zach has like a, a little shelf of all his stuff. Which he is, does? It could be worse. That's not too bad. So I don't have to bury him too Does bad. he have a lot of his gear? Uh, yeah, a lot of it. So I do too, which is like... But not like on display. No, that would that would be... That would be odd. It would. Yeah. <laughs> I actually saw... We saw, I remember maybe last year, like, Enzo had a, I a saw, video, and it was yeah. mannequins wearing his gear at his yeah. home, and yeah. I was like, woo! <laughs> no can do. I mean, huh? I'm a fan, but that's, <laughs> that's not, a little too self-serving. Not like, for what you. on earth with it? Like, what? Although, I am, I do have to get a a, a mannequin, because for our, our wedding, my wife gave me one of Goldust's a ring used outfit. Jesus. Yeah, you got it. I mean, so I'm going to put... But again, it's not, not my, it's not my... Yeah, it's I not, didn't wear not it. like I wore this on the Sam Roberts show. Yeah. <laughs> right, yeah. right. Yeah, no, I I guess that's true. I mean, you know, I got like a Sam Roberts poster that's on the floor covered by a bunch of stuff. Yeah, but... And yeah, then other stuff like hanging high. Face, like, right, you know. Right, right. So um, at what point could you and Zach come out of the closet as like action figure wrestling nerds that are still like, I you just, know, I'm not going to stop. I don't remember being like a moment, but I do feel like it spread and then they were a little frowned upon, you know? It was frowned by upon. By like him. veterans and things, yeah. yeah. Even to this day, I think like some of the older like producers and stuff just think we're like a bunch of fanboys, like no matter yeah. what we do, but it's like, I don't But know. I mean, it's really, because now it's like a thing. You guys are like uh, sponsored by Mattel I mean, and, it's, and it's, it's, it's incredible. It's right. like pinch me stuff, like dream come true stuff, so... Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I have no shame. In it. You know, people are entitled to their opinions, and uh-huh. if you know, you think toys are stupid or being, you know, a fan of that kind of stuff. So you didn't when whatever. you when you won the tag team title, you didn't. Did you get you get a, a replica of the of the title? Or you get the original belt that you, you used? get. The league will send you like a replica. Yeah, right. You couldn't. Is there any way for you to be like, can I buy? Or you didn't care? Can I buy the belt that I the, the actual used, one? Yeah. No, I don't know how that would even because. You, you're giving it to the next guy like it's not even yours anymore you know it's still being used yeah but i yeah i guess not even yeah, the house show version even, or no. yeah yeah and that came late uh it was probably around that time there's like a live event version that gets kind of beat up yeah and then there's tv ones that are like pristine yeah but they're still but no. they just keep they're in cycle i don't know where they go you know that's prop department stuff i don't know right you know? right but not nothing the boys can do yeah mm-hmm. do you Unless uh, they retire about like doesn't edge has that u.s title right or something 
the WCW title because like oh does he because he's the last one because he's the last one like, okay, yeah see you guys <laughs> yeah I went home with it and like, yeah and I think I'm pretty sure I wonder actually, if that means uh, maybe I can't I don't want to mix this up but I know Doring and Roadkill obviously were the last ECW tag champs uh-huh. and one of them took had the titles. sold the belt recently no oh, they both sold had, it. they each had the belt and one of them sold one theirs. of them sold and one of them didn't I don't want to mix up who's who so I don't want to say but that, it definitely happened that's funny yeah that's yeah yeah I get and I guess that's that's why Cena's so smart to get his own belts made because then it's like like I mean, this that's next level the spinning US title yeah like I, of course he could bring that one yeah, home it he, says John Cena on you would it. think right? Right? I mean we, we don't have confirmation on that but who else would, would I yeah. mean what else are you gonna do with yeah. it at this point uh, you know he's got all of his own stuff is Jeff Jarrett I mean he saved everything that's cool. He doesn't like, have it all on it, display. No, but, but he, he has is, it. he's saved absolutely everything. He's air packed yeah. stuff. He's got it all in a warehouse. He's got every gear he's ever worn. That's crazy. Everything. But like, and that's why, like, at the Hall of Fame this year, when they do that setup at Access, I saw they had a whole yeah. monument to Jeff Jarrett because he's because he he told him like, "What do you want me to send?" Yeah, like that's, I got everything. I, um, we shot a Mattel video at Access, and it was like. We're always just like rushed in and rushed out of there and do your signing or whatever. And like, we got Zach and I got to go there when there was no fans and just yeah. kind of like really soak it all in and check it out. It was a cool experience. After like all these years of doing that, right? This is like the first time I ever got to like really enjoy it. That's so that the best cool. part about it. I, I just saw all that stuff, all that whole, you know, Jared's legit outfits with the neck piece and stuff. Yeah. That's the best part about doing Radio Row those early Friday mornings at Access mm-hmm. is that even when it's over, it still doesn't open for hours. Yeah. So like after Radio Row, you can just you yeah, just walk around and look at in. stuff. Yeah, yeah so it's it's, really... it was a lot nicer that way. Like yeah, uh, after all these years, man, I've been there so many times and all these signings and this and photos and this and that, and I've I had never really gotten to do that. I was like, wow, this is actually if I was you know a kid coming to this would be pretty pretty yeah. special. So that's amazing. So the Mattel thing is uh, is amazing for you. Oh yeah, doing that stuff. And, and I, and, uh, I don't want to Barry Horowitz myself here, but uh, <laughs> a pat on the back for you listeners. But um, like I don't think anyone else is qualified to do it, but me and Zach, right? Know? So I feel pretty accomplished in that yeah. sense too. Yeah, I mean, as somebody like who, no, like obviously I'm 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 I've been a serious collector for a long, long time, yes. and I'm aware. Like I've had conversations with you guys before. Mm-hmm. Like I don't if when other when when like the Here's who the elite squad is. I'm looking at some of those people like yeah. <laughs> I understand. I'm going like and I look. understand. There's, I'm like listen. There's certain name value in the WWE champion AJ Styles. <laughs> I go hey, being I, in the elite squad. I go. What I know he's he a video about, game. What he technically knows about Mattel WWE action figures. I don't know. And I'm going like I'm pretty sure Kathy Kelly has been down here and made fun of me before. <laughs> yeah, yeah for sure. I'm pretty sure. Yeah, we, I love Kathy. And I only want the best for her, but, but I'm pretty sure she's made fun of my collection. Yeah, but that's fine because having Broski and I in there ties it all together, and we, you know, yeah, no, we, we'll tie up the loose ends on all that stuff. So right, right. I, I just I love doing it. I and love, you're doing, I, a, you're doing, I love the relationship, you know. And you're doing the Comic Con panel. Yeah, that's amazing. Yeah, that's so cool. I love that instead of getting guys that are like just the name names, yeah. like they're getting guys that can discuss the product right. and talk about it, yeah. Because Which the people I'm like so excited to do it. Okay, right. right. Yeah. The people that go to Comic Con and go to these panels and watch cool. the whole panel, they're they're the ones that are gonna I, I've never been to San Diego Comic Con. Oh, it's great. I went uh Hornswoggle did a panel for I wanna say that Leprechaun movie he did where he had no lines, he just kinda went <laughs> Right. Um and I went with Pat Buck to like just check it out, the uh-huh. New York one, and I was like way overwhelmed. Dude. And Broski's like, dude, you t- 
San Diego, San Diego is, is even bigger. I was like, it's oh man, way what bigger. I'm, what am I getting myself into? But, dude, yeah. it's way bigger. It's I was a like, totally different beast. Pro- probably for one time in my life, I was like borderline claustrophobic. Yeah, about how like, and that's for New York. Was. Yeah, and that, yeah, that no, was no, New no. York. San Diego is a different animal Can't entirely. <laughs> yeah, it's a totally different animal. Wow. But it's okay. You'll be sitting up on the panel. Yeah, I think you know I'll what I mean. My, get my airspace. Yeah, and I'm pretty sure Mattel will be able to rush you back to yeah, that Mattel booth yeah. and and do whatever it is we're, that we're, you we're need to do. We're gonna make Bill sweat. Hit him with some hard hitting questions. I just you did, <laughs> the video. You guys, Bill's been. We did a, a wrestling figure uh, special podcast with Bill. Hopefully, we will get to do another one maybe in August with him. Yeah. Yeah. Actually. We should do one with uh, with you and Ryder together. I'd love that. Talking about f- just figures. Yeah. But, um, yeah, the, I, I told you, I watched the video that you guys shot with Bill at Mattel headquarters. And just watching you guys chop him. When he doesn't, and if know, you, he doesn't know they're coming. If you watch it, there's a video on WWE.com of <laughs> Ryder and Hawkins going to Mattel HQ. And <laughs> there's this look on Hawkins' face as Ryder chops... Bill McKean, because you acted like you were going to, yeah. and then Ryder just did it. <laughs> just and up. then you had this look like, can we do that? Yeah. And then as the video goes on, the, you're like, we're chopping him the, now. The even funnier thing and like pretty unfortunate for Bill was like, that I'm a, they took that first take probably because the reactions were the funniest. Yeah, but like we did a bunch. I mean, <laughs> we're just lighting him up. You know? So he took like way more than just that. You know, so he's he's a good sport, and I think. Uh, our interactions with him is, is what's going to like make a lot of that, I think, for the collectors and stuff. Right, you know? and continue yeah. to make it a thing. Yeah. And I guess, I mean, I'm assuming we'll, the big Hawkins, because there have been teases for the Hawkins Mattel elite figure. Yes. I'm assu- You probably can't even tell me. But I'm assuming that the big reveal is coming at San Diego. I, I don't really even know that information, but I would assume as well. Because if, if they teased it and you were on the panel and then they just didn't have it or mention it it'd be like what are we doing I mean, at least the very least that rendering so right i'll be fine right but i'm i'm such a fan of the mattel wwe product that it's yeah. just like such an honor to finally be in the elite line so so you're gonna bury jacks at comic con oh the jacks is terrible yeah. <laughs> yeah. i really just it, unbelievable the things they pulled that i was listening to the the Jarrett interview about the Owen Harthead and him not knowing that. And I yeah. Was like, How do you not know that, Yeah, <laughs> yeah you texted like me. the most criminal thing in <laughs> wrestling ne- figure history. i never forget because Jack's did. he acted as if he... How do you never hear that? He didn't... It's his first new information it, I mean, to I him. I heard it with my own ears. I just... Like, I thought it was kind of ridiculous that I even brought it up because it just popped into my head because yeah. I remember as a kid being so pissed. It's criminal. Because Jax did... They would do, like, one series that would be amazing. And they did that series. And then take like seven off. Right. Yeah. But they did a series that had the first short-haired Owen Hart. And it, it was a really good figure. And he had the singlet. Yeah. And he had the The, the, the black heart Owen Hart. Yeah, just the black heart. Yeah. But he, and he had his two thumbs that were yeah. sticking up. Because Owen, you know, whatever. Uh, when they made a Jeff Jarrett with short hair figure, they just took the exact same figure. They painted the top of the singlet <laughs> white. Like a- like and there's ones that black, so it looks like a white or black tank top. Right, but Jeff didn't wear a tank top to the ring. No, and then they just painted the shorts to look like Jeff Jarrett shorts, and they painted a goatee on the Owen Hart head, and that was it. That was the Jeff Jarrett figure. And, and to think about like, it's the attitude. Or it's the hottest the industry, yeah, maybe has ever been. And right, the laziest that the toy products have ever been. And cheap. Owen and Jeff 
are tag partners. I know. That's so another problem. Everybody's yeah. gonna notice. They're gonna every collector is yeah. gonna put them next yeah. to each other and go, What's what is this? It's the same thing. Yeah. It's ridiculous. I remember thinking when that came out, like, oh, okay. It's just this one, they're gonna fix this. And then they released that Jeff with Owen Head like multiple times. In several series. Yeah. Over and over again. Just so insulting. And then they would take like the and this is going way inside, but they would take like the the Owen Your non-figure listeners. Are gonna, just like, okay, wowzers! Yeah. <laughs> but they would take one that really bugged me. I would look forever. They made this hardcore Holly because that Owen, the the legs of that Owen figure with the shorts, In the biker shorts, awesome. Yeah, right. I love that one. And they made hardcore Holly with that. Yes, except with a different torso. And I love that hardcore Holly figure, mm-hmm. but all of them that they made once, they I think they did it properly. But all the other ones, they put Sid legs, yes, and, and they just painted paint on the, the short, bikers, and they were horrible. Worse, which looks a lot worse. Way yes. worse. Yeah. And you go, why did you do that? <laughs> why would what what I, what benefit is it? This is, this is going to one up your nerd nerdtastic story. A lot of those Jack's bodies, which would drive me nuts, would have the Bret Hart singlet top, yeah, and then the dent from where his the back of his hair would be would be on the back, yeah. Did you ever notice that? And then yeah, so the have these huge gaping dents in the top of their. <laughs> Their torsos, because yeah. that's where Bret Hart's hair was, but they reused the same parts. With the guy with short hair or whatever? Yeah, yeah. yeah. And you just have this big, huge dent. Like, uh, come on, man. Terrible. Hmm. Terrible. I think they did, and they would, yeah, whatever. We, we could go on for, yeah. for just, hours I, and I hours. I feel bad for the listeners that don't care about this. <laughs> yeah. At, well, next time we do this, we'll just do a figure podcast. And, we'll and I'll, a, I'll get Broski. Yeah, have yeah. Have you ever interviewed him? Um, no, I definitely have. He needs not, to, not in long form. Yeah, he needs to sit down and do the wrestling podcast, and then we need to get together and do a toy podcast. Okay, so we'll do that. We'll make it happen. And yeah, yeah. Actually, I was I was gonna have him out here, and then I was like, oh, but then he moved to Florida. If you're out in Long Island still, but he still he still comes see his parents. I'll set it up. He comes. Okay, he comes enough. All right, let me know when he's here, Kurt Hawkins. Just, I appreciate just, just an intriguing character that. Zack Ryder. Yeah, I mean, yeah. In, the, in the in the times I, that I've talked to, him. I've read almost every wrestling book ever. Mm-hmm. If if and when he writes a book one day, really? Uh, maybe maybe the number one. Really? Just what a what a run he's had. <laughs> you know, the up the ups and the the down down downs yeah. that that guy has endured. Yeah, yeah, yeah. pretty pretty special. Yeah, you kind of forget. I mean, I text every now and then about whether or not the prototypes he finds are legit. <laughs> that's that's. That's a whole other thing. Though. What a rabbit hole he's gone down. Well, that's a, we'll go into the rabbit hole of, of Ryder's career in the first one, and then when the three of us get together, <laughs> we'll all just go down. It's like, uh, I, I guess being a father now, I'm like, this is just irresponsible, <laughs> what you're doing. What are you, what you, are you doing? You can't do this. Yeah. You're not going to sell them back. No, I don't. Yeah, no. I know you could. You're not going to. You're no. going to put them in the shelf. Yeah. <laughs> it's insane. Kurt right. Hawkins... Uh, Thank you for being here, man. Yeah, thanks for having us. Well, uh, as, as always. Yes, yeah. yes, and we'll do it again. And uh, yeah, man, thanks. Hey, anytime. Here is Sam Roberts. It's so cool to hear guys like Kurt Hawkins and to hear their story. Like, it's so rewarding to know that on some level, Kurt Hawkins not only is appreciated, but he really gets it. You know, I love that that he sees his time away from WWE as good and as a learning tool, but at the same time, he wants to sit there and tell guys that want to leave, look, why don't you look before you leap a little bit? Be careful about this thing, because the fact is that it's not as easy as you think it is, and there's a lot of benefits to being in WWE that you don't see when you're here. And I think that that's true of basically any job. 
a lot of us have been in positions where we have jobs, especially when we've been in the jobs for a long time, where we feel underappreciated, where we feel underpaid, where we feel uh, like, you know, just a cog in the machine, right? It just gets to this point where it's the same thing day in, day out, and you just feel like there's no room for growth. And I think that even superstars end up feeling that way sometimes. But the lesson that Hawkins learned from walking away and being forced to walk away, he got fired, is that it's really, the grass isn't necessarily greener on the other side. As he said, you know, he got to do a lot of fun stuff. He got to main event shows, which he wasn't doing in WWE, but it was a lot harder what he was doing. He was responsible for everything. It was a lot harder. And I'll bet if you talk to Cody Rhodes right now, while sure, he's having more success than he ever did in WWE, and sure, he is the shining example of how to do it right, he would probably tell you himself that he is working, that it's a lot more work doing things the way he's doing them now than it was doing it in WWE. So, you know, I, I do think that there's positives and negatives with everything. And a guy like Kurt Hawkins is a good guy to learn that from. It's also really cool to know that Vince McMahon and people like that have faith in him. You know, that, that, that they see him as a good hand. And they should. You know, any, anybody that's watched him can see that there's a reason why... There's a big difference between... And I'm not trying to insult James Ellsworth. But there's a big difference between Kurt Hawkins and James Ellsworth. You know what I mean? And that's not an insult. That's not a shot at Ellsworth because I like Ellsworth. And he provides a lot. But Kurt Hawkins has an ability. There's a reason why Kurt Hawkins was sent out to help The Rock get himself into shape for his match with John Cena. And I don't mean a workout partner. I mean in ring shape. Um, so, yeah. So, yeah. I, I really liked having Hawkins on. And I really... Number one, I want to have Zack Ryder on the podcast. Number two, I'd like to just do a straight-up podcast with Hawkins and Ryder together just to talk about their training together, coming up, teaming, the whole deal. But I also want to do an action figure podcast with the two of them. I think it'd be a lot of fun. I think it'd be really, really cool. Uh, yeah, yeah. Very, very exciting stuff. Uh, don't forget, I'm going to mention it to you again, that 200th show. You're going to want to be there. Carolines.com for tickets. Sam Roberts Wrestling Podcast, 200th show. Guests, surprises, fun, games, Q&A, meet and greets, the whole deal. It'll be like a carnival, except 9.30 at night, Thursday, Caroline's, August 16th. Be there. You're not going to want to miss it. Uh, maybe we'll even have a version of the state of wrestling at this show. I don't know for sure, but what I can tell you is we're going to have a version of the state of wrestling right now. It's now time for this week's State of Wrestling. Welcome to this week's State of Wrestling, the top five stories in the world of sports entertainment, in the world of professional wrestling, according to yours truly. Now, I was criticized by one or two people. I don't know. I retweet sometimes. I don't see every single app mentioned. But I was, uh, I've was i been criticized in the past for going WWE-centric. And sometimes I agree with the criticism and sometimes I don't. I think that... For me, WWE is what I spend the most time watching. I think for most of you, WWE is what you spend the most time watching. So WWE is what we're going to spend the most time covering. But I did receive a criticism that is fair. There was a story that slipped through my radar. I think it was just because of at what point in the week it happened. Like if a story breaks on a Thursday or a Friday, by the time I get to record the next week, I may have forgotten to address it. And that's what happened with this story, a story that to me is so important and needs to be addressed on this show so much that I decided 
to make it this week's story. The number five story of this week is the deal that Madison Square Garden has made with Ring of Honor. Now look, it is unbelievable in my lifetime and I think the lifetime of basically anybody that's listening to this podcast. WWE has had a stranglehold on pro wrestling that comes out of Madison Square Garden. There was at one point WCW was able to run a house show, I believe out of the theater at Madison Square Garden. I didn't get to go to that show, but it was a big deal. I mean, really for WCW it was whenever they would come to New York, it was a big deal. And that wasn't just because, oh, these are the stars from TV. It was because WWE didn't really let people come from New York, uh, come into New York. WWE didn't really have competitors on that level come into their territory. Uh, and part of that was because, look, the New York audience just preferred the WWE product. But a bigger part of that was because of the contracts that the WWE had so had with so many of the arenas. The biggest, I think, and the most important and the, the the strongest contract was the one they had with Madison Square Garden. I mean, nobody, nobody could run Madison Square Garden, and WWE would run it all the time. Trouble started brewing when WWE decided to stop running televised shows for Madison Square Garden. That It used to be a spot where you would always have your house shows, and you still do, you know, maybe three or four times a year have WWE house shows at Madison Square Garden. They're always amazing. They're always great. Just a fun place to watch a house show because it's so historic. But you used to also have Raws from there. A lot of very historic Raws came from Madison Square Garden. A lot of super historic pay-per-views. I'm talking about WrestleMania 1. I'm talking about uh, WrestleMania 10. I'm talking about WrestleMania 20. I'm talking about uh, the 2000 Royal Rumble. Uh, tons. SummerSlam 91. Uh, lots of pay-per-view. SummerSlam 98 came from Madison Square Garden. Um, but at some point, apparently the rates to run TV, to film TV in Madison Square Garden, the rental rates skyrocketed. It was after Madison Square Garden uh, uh, spruced the place up. They skyrocketed, apparently, I haven't seen them, I don't have the paperwork in front of me, the rates that they were charging to film TV in their building. And what WWE said was, okay, well, we're a company that's about making money. We're a business company. We're not going to be running TV out of your building anymore. And they really didn't. And and Brooklyn became the spot, you know, and, and, and the SummerSlam deals that they had in place over, what's it, this is like the fourth, third or fourth year that they're doing NXT, SummerSlam, Raw, SmackDown. Four nights in a row that they've booked up that building, and that's a big nut for Madison Square Garden not to get. Now, Madison Square Garden's doing just fine. They got Billy Joel there every other week. They got everything they need, but that's still, I mean, it's like, come on, guys. I thought we had a thing here. Madison Square Garden was loyal to WWE. WWE, not so much to Madison Square Garden, and I know it's not loyalty. You're talking about business. You're talking about contracts. Both parties upheld their end of the deals that they signed. However, I think... It really, push came to shove, it really got to a point when WrestleMania was announced. So when WrestleMania 29 was at MetLife Stadium, they didn't have NXT. Raw and SmackDown was not necessarily part of the weekend. I think they did Raw, and I don't know if they did SmackDown, in uh, the Meadowlands, which is right next door to uh, MetLife Stadium. So it made sense. But the Hall of Fame ceremony was at Madison Square Garden. So it was like, okay, look. 
We got all our guys out here in Jersey. We're going to do Raw and maybe SmackDown, if I remember correctly, in the arena that's right next door to the stadium that we're in. But don't worry, Madison Square Garden. We got you. We'll give you the Hall of Fame. WrestleMania 29 was that. WrestleMania 35 rolls around. They announced they're coming back to MetLife Stadium. And instead of doing the Hall of Fame at Madison Square Garden, instead of doing Raw and SmackDown at the Meadowlands right next door to MetLife, all of those events are going to the Barclays. They're in, in inside of far less than 12 months. What's August, September, October, November, December, January, February, March, April. Inside of eight months, you're going to have two NXT TakeOver Brooklyn's. And they're both going to be at the Barclays Center. And I think that that is what rubbed Madison Square Garden the wrong way. You know, and, and honestly, it's kind of a surprise. I think it would have been really cool, if, even if you were only going to do it once, spend the extra money and have NXT take over Madison Square Garden. Have NXT take over Garden. Whatever you want to call it. NXT take over MSG. Or call it MSG takeover. Whatever you want to call it. Having a takeover at Madison Square Garden, you could build it up to be as symbolic as the first NXT TakeOver Brooklyn was. The first NXT TakeOver Brooklyn, uh, which happened three years ago uh, before SummerSlam, was so important because it was the first time NXT played an arena. And what they were, the plan was, was to put the blackout curtains over most of the arena and have the show uh, for in front of five, they were going to put 5,000 people inside the Barclays Center. It sold out so quickly that they opened up the whole building, and it was the first time that NXT sold out an arena, and it was the Barclays Center, and it was the same spot that SummerSlam was going to be in the next night, right? That had never that was that was that was groundbreaking for NXT as a as a product. Now it's kind of taken for granted. Of course, the show is going to wherever the pay per view is, the takeover is going to be in the same building. But that wasn't taken for granted before Brooklyn. Now. You know, how do we evolve? The idea that TakeOver is actually going to be in Madison Square Garden and these NXT superstars are going to have a chance to headline Madison Square Garden, that's a big deal, and it could have been made into a big deal. WWE decided against it. WWE decided not only are they going to have NXT TakeOver at the Barclays, but they're going to have Raw and SmackDown also at the Barclays. And they're going to have the Hall of Fame at the Barclays. Four events, all at the Barclays. And so Madison Square Garden says, fine, you know, we're not, we're not doing the same deal anymore. We're not staying WWE exclusive. And the announcement was made that Ring of Honor and New Japan are coming together, putting the rosters together, just like they do for the War of the Worlds tour. And they are going to be running a show at Madison Square Garden WrestleMania weekend. I think it's the Saturday. I think it's competing with NXT, which is really, really smart because, you know, it, it might be one thing if, if WrestleMania was being uh, put on in an arena, then you'll have an arena full of people traveling to see it, right? I mean, theoretically, it's not going to be that many people going to see this show that don't have tickets. But you've got a stadium full of people that are in town to see WrestleMania. That a quarter, if that, maybe less than a quarter, maybe a fifth of what can fit in Giant Stadium is going to be in the Barclays Center, that means you've got four-fifths of the people that will be in MetLife left on Saturday night with nothing to do. So what are they going to go see? New Japan and Ring of Honor and Madison Square Garden? It's a historic show. Look, I'm a TakeOver fanatic. Working with WWE, doing those TakeOver pre-shows have been some of, if not, 
my favorite things, just because all those shows, especially this year, have been so special. There is no place that I'd rather be on those pay-per-view weekends than on that panel for TakeOver. But there's a huge part of me that's like, oh, man, I got to choose one or the other. If I'm at TakeOver, I'm not going to be able to be at this Ring of Honor New Japan show because it's going to be history in Madison Square Garden. It's going to be amazing. Uh, It's huge for New Japan and Ring of Honor. I, I really think, though, that Ring of Honor needs to really use this momentum. I think... I I personally think that an all-out merger needs to happen between New Japan and Ring of Honor because if not, then you've just got two amazing rosters that you're putting together for super shows. I think an all-out merger needs to happen between these two companies. Ring of Honor needs to basically become New Japan's United States touring branch that tours throughout the United States, not just in California, and, you know, have guys from the American side, go over to Japan. Have guys from the Japanese side go over to America, you know, and 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 have it be one promotion under God, indivisible, with liberty and justice for all. You know, that, to me, if you can just simply merge the two promotions, then you've got a real shot of a promotion that can not only fill Madison Square Garden, because what are you looking at now, right? You're looking at what your goal is, is to be able to say that, yeah, one time we filled Madison Square Garden, which is amazing. And it's an amazing step forward for Ring of Honor. But what you want is a promotion that can fill fill Madison Square Garden semi-regularly. Once a year, maybe? Once a year do a super show? And in order to do that, you need a promotion that every show garners an interest, that the storyline is maintaining interest that this this big buzz that you get from one super show is not just for the show but for the entire product i think whatever the plan is for all in ring of honor and new japan all three of those groups have to come together and be one cohesive excuse me cohesive unit and when you do that now you've got a product that you can put on regularly to entertain the masses to, to to give pro wrestling fans an alternative. To me, that's the only move that you can make coming off of this Madison Square Garden show. The Madison Square Garden show is a huge, huge deal for the history of wrestling, for the history of Madison Square Garden, and certainly for the history of Ring of Honor. Now, here's the other thing. Ring of Honor is going to have to really amp up their production value because the production value that Ring of Honor has shown on pay-per-view isn't going to look good at Madison Square Garden. You know, you're not only talking about paying money to rent this building, but Ring of Honor is going to have to make a major investment in production to make this thing look like a million bucks. This thing has to look as good as TakeOver does. And that's going to be really tough. And that doesn't mean you need a video screen as big as TakeOver has. That doesn't mean you need, you know, a pyro. That doesn't mean you need all this stuff. It just, it needs to be smooth you know, it needs to. There needs to be a director who's got all the camera people in the right positions, and the, the entrances, and the and the angles shot uh, need to be properly rehearsed. You know, every time there's a big Ring of Honor show, I feel like I come on here and say that show was amazing, except for these little production notes. You know, I think Punishment Martinez should have one of the coolest entrances in wrestling, but it needs to be shot right. I think. You know, I always go back to the night that Marty Skrull joined the Bullet Club 
which is this amazing moment and this amazing moment in history and something that you should be able to repeat over and over again. Problem is, you didn't have a camera angle that was good of him opening the umbrella to show the Bullet Club logo. So you don't have that moment for posterity. You know, stuff like that goes a long, long way. And stuff like that, to me, is stuff that wrestling fans notice and don't even notice that they're noticing. It'll just be something, they'll go, yeah, it was good, but it just there was something about it that didn't seem quite top-notch. And that's what it'll be. It's the production value. So, you know, Ring of Honor has, what, eight or nine months to figure out how to amp up their production value, you know, 100%. And if they can do that, and if they can get the all-in folks and New Japan to kind of all come together and put out a product together, well, we've got a shot at something here, folks. We've got a shot at something. Uh, speaking of uh, having a shot at something, Matt Riddle has a shot at something, and Matt Riddle has been a big piece of conversation. It's story number four this week on the State of Wrestling. Uh, lots of rumors flying about what Matt Riddle is doing with his career. Of course, Matt Riddle has been a mainstay on the independents for a couple of years now. He came from the world of MMA, but he's just he's incredible to watch. He's incredible to look at. He's, he's, he's got everything you need and everything that I think the WWE would be impressed with. He's unique. He makes people talk. Every time he's on a show, I feel like there's a buzz that builds around this Matt Riddle. And it's amazing. Now, for a long time, it was said that WWE wasn't really looking at him. And a lot of people, I don't know if it was ever directly said or just assumed that it was because he's such an, uh, an outward proponent for marijuana. He's a big uh, weed smoker. Obviously, that doesn't match up with WWE. And apparently, there was a time, at least, recently, when Matt Riddle wasn't terribly interested in laying off of weed in order to have his WWE career. He doesn't see anything wrong with it. He thinks it helps him, and a lot of people do. And I'm, I'm fully willing to have that debate with anybody. But the point is not whether weed is good or bad, or a person should use it, or a wrestler should use it, the point, or shouldn't. The point is that it's not something WWE tolerates. So you have to wonder, if he is coming to WWE or NXT, is that a conversation that's been had? Just straight up, look, you can't do this stuff anymore. You can't do this stuff here, and you're going to have to figure out a way around it. There's a couple of rumors going around. It all started, he dropped out of uh, BOLA, PWG's Best of Los Angeles show, um, and, or Battle Best of Los Angeles, Battle of Los Angeles, um, and... He dropped out of a show that's going on in Ireland, um, SummerSlam weekend. And that led people to believe that he's going to show up at TakeOver. Uh, Dave Meltzer is saying that New Japan has also offered him a deal. Uh, at one point, it was reported that the deal New Japan offered Matt Riddle was for uh, to mainly kind of tour the American shows, and it wouldn't be for as many dates as he would want to do. But then I think another report came out that New Japan, and this is, I think, from Meltzer, that New Japan offered Matt Riddle a full-time spot in their company, uh, which could be very, very tempting for Matt. Uh, but most of the rumors are pointing to he may show up in WWE and more specifically NXT TakeOver Brooklyn, which I think would excite a lot of people if he did that. To me, that would be the move, and and to me, it wouldn't be... Matt Riddle sitting in a suit in the front row, it would be Matt Riddle does the Adam Cole entrance where he shows up, you know, out of the blue and just does a run-in in the ring or something like that. Uh, maybe attacks Aleister Black or whatever he does. You know, it's going to be a big deal when and if Matt Riddle shows up. Um, 
I, I hope that he does. And he's just such a, a unique force. And, and all these guys that do so well on the independents, there's no reason why they shouldn't have a shot. And they're only, I mean, they're, they're, especially in NXT, it's success story after success story after success story for these guys. Now, there are those that think that Matt Riddle is crazy for going to WWE, that WWE is going to ruin him. Um, I think that that's unfair. You know, I think that maybe WWE will ruin Matt Riddle, but I think in this world of, of wrestling, we're still at the point where most people, the vast majority of people, have to go to WWE at some point. I still feel like, and people hate it when I say this, I still feel like the Young Bucks and Kenny Omega need to be in WWE at some point to fully cement that legacy. A lot of you might not agree with me, um, and that's fine. I get the argument against it, but like, to me, I look at AJ Styles, and I say, okay, if he had retired after he was done in New Japan, we would look at him one way. Because he's had the run he's had in WWE, we look at him a completely different way. AJ Styles has become a much bigger star. He's become a household name. And he's become somebody that's talked about as one of the greatest of all time. And some people talked about him that way before he was in WWE. But I think succeeding under these circumstances with this spotlight on him changed him into a different performer. And that's very that's 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 something you can't scoff at. If I'm Matt Riddle, there is no doubt in my mind that WWE is a place that I have to go to. You don't need to spend 20 years in WWE, but you at least need to show up. And if it doesn't work out and they ruin him, he can leave and rebuild fairly quickly. You know, I mean, Juice Robinson is doing better than he ever did in NXT. Yeah, there are plenty of stories. Cody Rhodes, the best thing he ever did was leave WWE. There's plenty of stories of guys that have succeeded, but at the same time, there's guys that have left WWE that haven't succeeded. You know, there's guys, yeah, I, I'm sure that you would have told me five, six, seven years ago that Mr. Wrestling, Kevin Steen, shouldn't be anywhere near a WWE ring because they'd ruin him. And I would be willing to argue that Kevin Owens' run has turned him into the superstar that he is. You know, Kevin Owens has turned Kevin Steen into chapter one of this amazing, exceptional career. And there are plenty of guys like that. I mean, I think that the legacy of El Generico has improved because of what Sami Zayn has done in WWE. And yeah, he hasn't done maybe as much as we would like him to do, but I still think it's improved. Even Nakamura at the end of the day is going to be a bigger star for being in WWE. He just is. Maybe his best matches will always be in New Japan. It's very possible. But he'll be a bigger name in the world of pro wrestling because of his time in WWE. And I think the same thing can be said for Matt Riddle. You know, there's no reason to sit there and say, well, I think they'll ruin him, so I don't want to see him get the opportunity to become a full-fledged superstar, to become a guy that's in video games and has action figures, to become a guy who's on national television every single week that a billionaire is paying a billion dollars for on his network. No reason to not give Matt Riddell, Riddle that chance to succeed because you think that he'll be ruined, you know? I'm excited about it. I think it'll be a good thing. Uh, he is, though, 
still working his Evolve shows. Evolve came out and said that Matt Riddle is still going to be working the August shows for Evolve. Now, he's not working PWG, he's not working Ireland, but he is working Evolve. And some people are like, oh, well, maybe we counted our chickens. But let's keep in mind, Evolve and WWE have a working relationship. Evolve, Adam Cole worked an Evolve show recently while he was NXT United States Champion. So, you know, I, I don't think that you could put that much faith. There's there's a there's a, a, a large possibility that Adam Cole I mean, I'm sorry, that that Matt Riddle goes to NXT and still competes in uh 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 in Evolve. You know, that's a lot easier to swallow than Matt Riddle continues at PWG and continues taking his international dates. You know, I mean, if Matt Riddle ends up going to New Japan, I'm fine with it. I think he'll succeed. I think he'd be great in Ring of Honor where Jeff Cobb showed up, by the way. Pictures of Jeff Cobb in a Ring of Honor ring, that's pretty big. Uh, but I think WWE is the place that I want to see Matt Riddle. And that's because I'm a WWE guy. And I think Matt Riddle is incredible. So that's what I'd like to see. It really is amazing. You know, we talked about Jeff Cobb real quick. Uh, he posted Twitter photos in a Ring of Honor ring. It really is amazing watching some of the people succeed after Lucha Underground. Because to me, Jeff Cobb, his biggest showcase was Lucha Underground. Uh, Pentagon, biggest showcase was Lucha Underground. And these are guys that have become uh, some of the biggest stars in the independents. So it's uh, it's interesting. Uh, story number three. We go outside WWE and we talk Slammiversary. TNA put on Slammiversary uh, over the weekend. And, you know, I've got to tell you, I think old... Uh, Cyrus the Virus, Don Callis, may be the secret sauce that TNA needed. Because the stuff that I heard coming off of this pay-per-view from, from fans, it was a better buzz than I can possibly remember hearing from anything in TNA, especially in the last few years. I think the roster is great when you look at it. Um, I love that they're using Johnny Mundo, Johnny Impact, John Morrison but he's in the opening match. You know, it, it it seems like, and I think he's incredible. He's been on the podcast before. I'm a John Morrison fan. But I feel like so many promotions have used him because they're able to kind of use the same gimmick that he used in WWE. So many promotions have used him as, you know, John Morrison from WWE and put him right in the main event. And I think that that's the wrong thing to do for your company because it doesn't make you stand out you know it doesn't it doesn't put you in this position of like oh my god look at the talent that they have in tna and instead goes like oh tna got the guy from wwe that's cool and you want the other one you want people saying look at the talent that tna has i've never seen anything like this and that's what they had in their main event the championship match between austin aries and moose now yes these are not homegrown talents and austin aries did have a run in wwe but austin aries run in wwe was not a champion I mean it was a cruiserweight championship run but it wasn't a main event run if anything Austin Aries is 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 still uh, running off the the fuel of what he did in Ring of Honor of what he did in TNA before you know that's the Austin Aries that we're seeing not the Austin Aries that we saw in WWE and while Moose was a star in Ring of Honor he was just kind of building Moose's Moose's biggest accomplishments I believe have been in TNA so I thought that it was a great choice to have that as your championship match. You know, I, I think Sammy Callahan, 
who I've loved for a long time. I, I knew Sammy Callahan uh, when we used to do Jersey All-Pro. He was a wrestler for Jersey All-Pro while I was uh, commentating. And I've always been so impressed by him. I was always disappointed that Salomon Crow did not work out in NXT because I was always excited at the idea of Sammy Callahan being in WWE. But Sammy Callahan has become the person that creates a buzz for Impact Wrestling. That's Sammy Callahan's role. Everybody was talking about this match that he had with Eddie Edwards. And he is, is, is one of the last guys to really embrace this notion of kayfabe. You know, the way he talked about uh, uh, hitting Eddie Edwards in that match with the baseball bat in the eye and injuring him off screen was the same way he talked about it on screen. It was this sort of unapologetic, uh, I'm acknowledging that people hate me for this thing, when in reality, we don't even know how Eddie Edwards felt about it. So, you know, I, I just think Sammy Callahan has done such a good job of creating a buzz for impact uh, and, and putting him in the match with Pentagon was smart because Pentagon, just his look, his style, everything about him attracts attention. That was the attraction match. And to be disciplined enough as a promotion to not make that your main event title match impressed me. You know, a lot of promotions just take whatever the big star is and put that in the titles on the line. But instead, Impact realized they had a big attraction match in this Sammy Callahan Pentagon match, right? So let's have the big attraction match, but then let's also have the big championship match. So now you've got two big matches when a lot of promotions would just put the title in with Callahan and Pentagon and put everything in one boat as opposed to being as, a, you know, TNA Impact has the Nina, the Pinta, and the Santa Maria. They got boats for days. Sue Young, I think, is my favorite female talent that's not signed by WWE right now, especially since Deanna Peruzzo just got signed by WWE. I can say that a little bit more safely. Uh, I am obsessed, obsessed with Sue Young. Obsessed with Sue Young. I'm obsessed with Allie. I'm obsessed with, uh, 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 what's Allie's, Rosemary. Even though she's injured right now, I think Rosemary is amazing. Uh, Tessa Blanchard I've seen on the indies I think Tessa Blanchard's really great I think Madison Rain I love that she's back but obsessed with Allie Rosemary and Sue Young and to have three women in Impact that I'm obsessed with that's a lot I'm obsessed with a lot of the female superstars in WWE and we'll get into that but that's a lot that's a lot I think they're you know their women's division they're, they're building that up again because I mean really if you look at it before the women's evolution, TNA and the knockouts were were putting the divas to shame. TNA was the first promotion that had real competitive wrestling in between women in this era, you know, in America anyway, on a national level. Uh, TNA, that was TNA. That was not WWE. But they lost their way. They completely lost their way. They stopped paying attention to it. And, you know, it's it's really crazy because TNA should have this, like, legacy behind it. But I felt like I was watching a new promotion when I watched Slammiversary. And honestly, it was refreshing. I needed to watch a new promotion. It's good that it was a new promotion. And, you know, I just thought they did a great job. Brian Cage, Matt Seidel, Eddie Edwards I already talked about. There's just, there's a lot going on in Impact right now. And it's as optimistic as I've probably ever been 
about the promotion. So it's a good time. Let's get into SummerSlam. Now, I have to be honest with you. Uh, I'm in Montreal this week for the uh, Just for Laughs Comedy Festival. So I'm taping this state of wrestling while SmackDown is on. They have not yet announced who AJ Styles' opponent will be. So we're not going to talk about that this week on the podcast. If it's worthy, we'll talk about it next week. But what we are going to talk about is the fact that this week we found out that Roman Reigns versus Brock Lesnar for the Universal title is your main event for SummerSlam. And I have to tell you, I can't believe the mistake that WWE is making. I can't believe the mistakes that the WWE has made leading up to this. It's unbelievable that this is the match we're having. Do you know how excited people would be for SummerSlam if you had Seth Rollins versus Brock Lesnar? If you had... I mean, if you had Finn Balor, it's, it's, that's a bit of a stretch, but Finn Balor versus Brock Lesnar. Even if you had Bobby Lashley versus Brock Lesnar, at least it's a match that people haven't seen. You've had three huge shows. This will be the third huge show since March, right? All of them have been Roman Reigns versus Brock Lesnar. All of them have had people not care about Roman Reigns versus Brock Lesnar. Why, oh why, do you have Roman Reigns versus Brock Lesnar headlining SummerSlam as if anything besides what you've already had happen is going to happen? I've said this before. People legitimately hate Brock Lesnar because he's not on TV. Yes, he is officially a heel. Yes, but they do not hate Brock Lesnar enough that they will cheer Roman Reigns. It is not going to happen. There is literally nothing Roman Reigns can do between now and SummerSlam, and I'm talking about the character. There is nothing that character can accomplish between now and SummerSlam that will lead to people in Brooklyn cheering that man. At the same time, they will not cheer Brock Lesnar either because he hasn't been on TV since the Greatest Royal Rumble and people are tired of it. You can't get annoyed at the crowd anymore. You can get annoyed at the guy. You know, I could say, you know, the crowd at WrestleMania was annoying because they didn't know Brock Lesnar was going to win. That was a surprise. Okay. I could say the crowd in Pittsburgh was annoying because of all the countdown ch chants during the Iron Man match. It spoiled it for us watching. Okay. Guess what? If the crowd makes Roman Reigns versus Brock Lesnar unwatchable, that's not on the crowd anymore. They've told you what they're going to do. We know what the crowd is going to do at the Barclays Center. Now, maybe you'll have Braun Strowman interrupt it. Maybe you'll have Kevin Owens interrupt it. But the fact is, Seth Rollins already did that two, three years ago. We've already seen that. The first time Roman Reigns and Brock Lesnar had a match. And WrestleMania 31, we're approaching WrestleMania 35. This has been a problem since WrestleMania 31. The only thing that saved that match was Seth Rollins interrupting it. And it made one of the great WrestleMania moments. You can do the same thing again with either Kevin Owens or Braun Strowman, depending on who walks out of that match with the briefcase. And I would, I would say it's not unlikely that Kevin Owens ends up walking out with the briefcase. Are you going to tell me that Kevin Owens is going to cash in? Are you going to end SummerSlam with Kevin Owens holding the title? You might do it with Braun, but even then, people want to see Braun beat Brock Lesnar. If Braun is the universal champion, people want to see a scheduled, sanctioned match between Braun Strowman and Brock Lesnar, and they want to see Brock Lesnar lose. 
bite the bullet and allow somebody to get the rub that Brock Lesnar got from beating The Undertaker. Allow somebody that fans want to see that won't be a waste of it beat Brock Lesnar. Seth Rollins, Braun Strowman, either of those two names would be just fine. Roman Reigns is not going to work and this match is not going to work and it's a shame. Furthermore, even having the match was a farce, and I'll tell you why. If I'm Bobby Lashley, and I beat Roman Reigns, and I find out a week later, I have a match with him to find out who's going to get a shot at SummerSlam, I'm saying, I don't want to have this match. I already beat Roman Reigns. Why is Bobby Lashley shaking Roman Reigns' hand? For some reason, they decided to completely, you had this moment at Extreme Rules, where maybe people could get behind Bobby Lashley. Maybe. But instead, you negate the victory. On Raw, Bobby Lashley's victory against Roman Reigns was completely negated. It doesn't matter that Bobby Lashley beat Roman Reigns at Extreme Rules because nothing was on the line. It didn't count. Bobby Lashley was the big dog for eight days. Who cares? When it came time... To, to have the Brock Lesnar match that Bobby Lashley said he wants, he did not get the opportunity. Something has to happen between now and SummerSlam, but I have this sinking sensation that unfortunately it may not happen. That we may just be stuck with a Roman Reigns-Brock Lesnar match. And to me, at this point, it's a crazy, insane thing to do. I don't understand it even a little bit. You know? I, I just don't at this point. And it's really unfortunate because you could have had an interesting story. Like, there's so much stuff that we haven't seen. The, t the roster is so talented right now. There are so many talented people on that roster. The roster is as talented as it's ever been. Nakamura is on Burger King commercials with Ron Simmons. It is a crazy time in the world of WWE. There has never been this much talent on the WWE roster. From the indie superstars, like Finn Balor, and I say indie from the, from the uh, outside of WWE superstars, like Samoa Joe and Finn Balor and Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn and, and AJ Styles and all these guys, I'm missing a ton of them, to the homegrown talent that has completely come into their own that are as good as it gets. Like... Elias, like The Miz, like Braun Strowman. And even mentioning that outside talent, Dean Ambrose and Seth freaking Rollins. But instead, it's Seth Rollins versus Dolph Ziggler again. Roman Reigns versus Brock Lesnar again. Something's got to give here. It will. I have every faith that we will end up with a good show. But something's got to give here, man. Because I'm, I, those aren't the matches you want. Now, there were people complaining about what, I thought the Elias stuff was great on Raw. You know, the idea, first of all, it's so amazing that he came out with an album. Second of all, they figured out such a clever way to have him promote that album throughout the night. I was very, very impressed with that. The fact that he was there throughout the show, but it wasn't annoying. It didn't get stale. I just think Elias is the bee's knees. Um, and, the Bailey Sasha thing. Couple comments that I got. First one was if you've got every woman on the roster at that show, why are you having Bailey versus Sasha against a couple of female enhancement talent? And the reason for that is because that segment was all about Bailey and Sasha, and you didn't want to cost anybody else who's on the roster 
anything by ignoring them. That was a segment about Bailey and Sasha. I also saw comments from people that were going like, this is crazy. You know, you've tempted us, you've tempted us, and now they're just not going to have the match. Now they're just going to be friends again. We're not done with the story. I have no problem with the Bailey and Sasha Banks story because we're not done with it. What's one of the great rivalries between uh, brothers? Owen Hart versus Bret Hart. Here's how the Owen Hart-Bret Hart story went. Survivor Series 93, Owen gets mad and he turns on Bret. After Survivor Series 93, he says he wants to fight Bret. Bret says, I'll never fight Owen. Jan- December of 93, right around Christmas time, out of nowhere, Bret Hart and Owen Hart just say they're friends again. Ah, oh, we've patched everything up. If you're just going week by week, you're going, what the hell? We were building towards something, and now they're just friends again? They're friends again. They get a tag team title shot against, I believe, the Quebecers. Why don't they win the tag team titles? Because Bret Hart did something that Owen perceived as selfish, and Owen turned on him again. We thought it was over, and it wasn't. The Sasha Bailey story, in my opinion, is not over. And I, 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 one of them, hopefully Sasha, is going to turn. Honestly, I'm okay either way. I think Sasha's an amazing heel, so I would love to see her be a heel again. But I think it'd be interesting to see Bailey be a heel. I think Sasha would be a better heel. I think it's a great move for Sasha. But, you know, storytelling-wise, it'd be interesting for Bailey too. Look, it's going to happen. It's going to happen. They're just uh, uh, stretching it out a little bit. And maybe this is an effort to make it last till SummerSlam, you know? They'll team for another week. A week later, Sasha turns on Bailey, and then they announce a match for SummerSlam. Or keep a really open mind. What if it's a way to stretch this thing out because we want to extend this all the way till October so the big Sasha-Bailey match can finally happen at what is story number one, and that's WWE Evolution. The first ever female pay-per-view it was widely speculated that that would be the announcement that stephanie made on monday night raw and it was made look i'm with you if you i i do have issues with triple h and stephanie showing up in the first segment of raw and not being in character and then later on in the same show kind of being heelish never really explaining why baron corbin was stephanie mcmahon's pick but you know at the not around the 9 30 mark where they had that segment with kurt angle Stephanie was back to being a heel, but in the beginning of the show, she wasn't. Either way, that's, that, that's a conversation for another time. I'd rather talk about what a major, major announcement this pay-per-view is. I want to get the neg- any negative out of the way first, because it was very little negative, and it's silly if it is. I saw a couple people tweeting, well, this is sexist. Imagine if they did an, a men's-only pay-per-view. They just did one. It was called the Greatest Royal Rumble. Also, look at the WWE Network. History is full of men's only pay-per-views. And even pay-per-views that weren't men's only. Years and years went by where if you took out pudding matches and pillow fights and matches that were not legitimate wrestling matches, you would still have men's only pay-per-views. So the idea that there should be a women's pay-per-view is right. The idea that this is a long time coming is true. The idea that the timing is perfect is true because look at how look at look at how the roster is building and building and building. You know, from the Iconics to Asuka, to Carmella, to Charlotte, to Bailey, to Sasha, to Becky, to, to, to the, the girls in NXT, to Ember Moon, you know, to Kaidi Sane, to Shayna Baszler, to Ronda Rousey, to uh, uh, Marina Schaefer, to, to all the people that are associated with WWE now. 
Um, I'm so excited for this. I think this is a wonderful move. I think this is a great step forward. I believe that this will not be a bonus pay-per-view, but this will be the only pay-per-view in October, I believe. It was to my understanding that 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 may be the truth. I don't know. Don't quote me on it. But I, I think that there's a good possibility that that's true. And I hope it is. Because that really cements that this is not just a bonus women's show. This is what we're doing for our pay-per-view in the month of October. You know, and I think that that makes it a huge, huge deal. Couple of things that need to happen. Number one, my issue with the Royal Rumble, the Women's Royal Rumble, is I thought too much attention was paid to the returning uh, uh, female superstars of past. And I get that you had to do that to fill out the 30, but it it was a distraction from the current roster. I think that the Evolution pay-per-view needs to mainly be about the current roster. I think you should have Trish and Lita there. I think you should have, you know, Alundra Blaze there. I think that this should happen. Tori Wilson, Jacqueline Short. Have them there. Maybe have a Legends match. Maybe have a tag match with current roster and Legends in there. That's fine. But for the most part, this needs to be current roster, whether it's NXT or WWE superstars, female superstars. I also think that it's not enough to have a bunch of title matches and exhibition matches. I think that you need to have stories built into this thing. That might be the reason why, hopefully, we can stretch Sasha Banks versus Bailey all the way till October. You know, I think maybe you do a Charlotte versus Asuka return match. Maybe you do Sasha versus Bailey. You know, maybe you have uh, uh, the Iconics and Carmella turn on each other or do something like that. I don't know. There's a lot of different directions you can go in. You know, I think... It could be. Here's something that I like even better than having Asuka versus Charlotte. What if you had Asuka versus Shayna Baszler? Does that sound bad? I don't think so. Asuka versus Shayna Baszler, that's a big match. You know, there's there's a lot. Cody Sane should be on the show. Everybody should be on the show. You know, everybody in NXT and WWE, and I think a lot of the uh, May Young Classic participants... I'm sure we'll be on this pay-per-view. They said 50-plus women are going to participate, which leads me to believe that there'll probably be a battle royal. Even if you had 10 singles matches, that's only 20 superstars. What is the extra 30? I think you're going to end up having a battle royal. I would make a legends of a female legends battle royal, and that's how you incorporate them and let the current roster have the spotlight for the normal matches. Um, you know, there was some talk about whether or not Ronda Rousey should main event it. Look, I have no problem with Ronda Rousey main eventing a, a women's pay-per-view. You know, I, I, I don't think that you can put people in the main event simply for time served. Ronda Rousey is a WWE superstar. Like, she's been at every pay-per-view, except for one, maybe. And this is, you know, she's she's been at a lot, she's been on a lot more shows than Brock Lesnar has, that's for sure. She is technically a part-timer, but she's been at a lot of shows, right? And she's done a lot in a little bit of time. And every time she stepped into the ring and there's actually been some action, she's been super impressive. I don't have any problem with Ronda Rousey main eventing this show. And it you almost wish, you know, I, I was going to say you almost wish that Ronda Rousey were uh, competing for a women's championship. In the Octo- at the October show instead of at SummerSlam, but maybe that'd be too predictable. You know, maybe it'd be better to have Ronda Rousey compete against somebody that you don't know she's going to beat. Maybe Ronda Rousey is 
Raw Women's Champion. Maybe she's the one that Shayna Baszler fights. Shayna is NXT Champion. Ronda is Raw Women's Champion. That's interesting. Um, you know, there's a lot of different directions you can go in. Maybe that's the night that they finally, you know, they all four of the MMA Four Horsewomen have been signed to WWE. It wouldn't be crazy if that's the night you combined rosters. Clearly, it's going to be a co-branded show. They're probably NXT as well. Tri-branded show. Maybe that's the night that you do the Four Horsewomen of MMA versus the Four Horsewomen of WWE. I can't think of a better time to do it. But I'm very, very excited about that show. Uh, you know, I, I, it was reiterated that there wouldn't be women's uh, tag belts. And I think the quote that Stephanie McMahon said is, we're just not quite ready for that yet. I think that that's true. It goes back to what I said a couple weeks ago, that the, the, the roster's just not deep enough quite yet. It's, it's, put, your, put your time in creating stories for the women, not putting a title on every woman, you know? Um but I'm so excited for Revolution. I'm absolutely, it's going to be in Long Island, so I'll be at that pay-per-view. And it's going to be history. And uh, it's just such a positive, positive thing. It's amazing. Thank you guys for being a part of this week's episode of Sam Roberts Wrestling Podcast. Don't forget, episode 200, you can really be a part of. You can be there in person. Carolines.com. Carolines on Broadway, 9.30 p.m. Thursday night, August 16th. The first time Sam Roberts Wrestling Podcast has been in prime time at Caroline's. It's a legendary spot. It's going to be a legendary night. And you can be a legend by being there in the audience and being a part of the show. Going to be amazing. Thank you, guys. We'll see you next week. Thanks for listening. Follow at NotSam on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and YouTube. And subscribe for free to listen every week to Sam Roberts Wrestling Podcast. Introducing Guinness Nitro Cold Brew Coffee Beer. Blending the smooth, creamy nitro taste of Guinness with hints of coffee, chocolate, and caramel. Guinness Nitro Cold Brew Coffee Beer, your new favorite part of the day. Look for it where Guinness is sold. Must be 21 and over to purchase. Please enjoy responsibly. Diageo Beer Company, New York, New York. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.